gmail.com. Tuscaloosa's longest-running sports show. The biggest goal of our team, especially in the first half. We at Bama, we're trying to be the best. Always is to win a national championship. Something cool to look back on. We don't want to waste a failure. You're inside the game. The game. John Mechie on the ground. Appreciate your interest in the game. On your home for Alabama sports. Alabama wins. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Powered by Tuscaloosa Toyota. Now, now, here's your award-winning host, Ryan, Ryan Fowler. Welcome, everyone, to this edition of the game in Tuscaloosa on Tide 100.9. I am Drew DeArmond sitting in for Ryan Fowler. He'll be back in the saddle very soon, uh, but it's an honor to sit in for you guys. First time I've done it in a while. Uh, but, of course, uh, it's kind of interesting to hear Nick Saban say uh, you can't waste a failure. We're going to see what Alabama does after falling short in the Rose Bowl and the college football playoffs. Certainly a very disappointing end. To a great season, though, for Alabama, and a season of a lot of accomplishment, uh, climbing the, uh, you know, back uh, to the top of the hill in the SEC, beating the Georgia Bulldogs, getting to the Rose Bowl, back to the college football playoff, really being one stop, one play, either offensively or defensively, especially on the defensive side of the ball, considering it was fourth and two. They were one play away uh, from playing the Washington Huskies Monday night in Houston and Reliance Stadium to, for the national championship would have been the 19th in their storied history uh, and could have been Nick Saban's eighth and his seventh in Tuscaloosa, but they fall just short. Still, uh, I don't think you can call this uh, season a disappointment, a disappointing ending, but not a disappointment overall uh, as the University of Alabama did a great job, uh, you know, climbing back atop the SEC. And again, like I said, they weren't expected that with their slow start to the season, the disappointing loss in Bryant-Denny Stadium. I was there uh, when they lost to the Texas Longhorns. You know, Jalen Milrow was a first-year starter, a guy that had to come a long way, and he certainly did. Uh, and he did an outstanding job this year and uh, was, uh, you know, I thought improved over the course of a season as much as any quarterback I've seen at the University of Alabama. Certainly has more strides to make. Uh, but I think he's got a chance to do that. And uh, really looking forward to the journey uh, for uh, Jalen Milrow and, uh, and, and this uh, Alabama offense and, and, and really this, uh, this program. And so uh, we certainly are going to have fun today. I'm going to be on with you uh, for the majority of this show uh, from 2 to 5 today. I'm uh, going to be on with you. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk to some University of Alabama football because there's a lot to discuss because uh, yesterday we started seeing the fallout, a lot of guys entering the transfer portal, uh, you know, a couple of uh, eyebrow raisers. And then today uh, we've had some expected departures, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Terry on Arnold, according to Chris Lowe, who's connected uh, to Nick Saban and connected in the SEC as anyone. He's reporting both those young men are going to go into the NFL. And that's not surprising. Both are in, if you check mock drafts and uh, NFL draft stock, both of those guys, very, very likely first round draft choices, along with Dallas Turner, who is also uh, going to depart for the NFL. And uh, so that's not to be unexpected. J.C. Latham departing. Uh, he's another one that's a potential first-round pick, even though the offensive tackle class is loaded in the draft. But again, there's uh, several months uh, to be had and uh, for uh, for and pre preparation for J.C. Latham to potentially improve his stock and solidify it in the first round because offensive tackle, whether it be right or left, 
is a primo position when it comes to uh, for, from the NFL guys. And then, of course, I think as uh, in the last 30 minutes or so, Justin Aboigby released a statement saying he was uh, going to go ahead and enter the NFL draft. And that's not uh, you know a surprising thing. He, he missed the majority of last season with a neck uh, injury, had surgery, came back, was a first-team All-SEC type guy this year, uh, had an outstanding year. I still think he can have a very solid pro career. And so he, he needs to strike while the iron's hot. This is another uh, departure that was expected, even though I believe he had another year of eligibility. Now we'll see what happens with Jason McClellan and the Jermaine Burtons and the Roy Dell Williams. Uh, but I'm going to be on with Noah today. Uh, Noah Haynes behind the glass. We appreciate him. And I know the callers are already lining up. Uh, and you can give us a call at 205-342-9904 to join us on the game here. And we are powered, don't ever forget, by Tuscaloosa Toyota, tuscaloosatoyota.com. We wouldn't be here without them and their great sponsorship of the longest-running radio program in the city of champions in Tuscaloosa. And so uh, we are looking forward to it. And I, you know, we'll just get right to it. We'll go out to the phone lines. We'll go to Paul and Lincoln uh, as he's uh, wanted to join us right out of the gate. Paul, how you doing today, sir? Hey, Drew. How you doing, my man? I'm doing good, bud. Well, it's uh, I just got back in from uh, from California uh, right. late last night, so I hadn't I hadn't really had a chance to to kind of talk about the game with 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 Ryan and uh certainly good to have you on on the uh, on the show as well uh but uh you know after thinking about it um that that game that game to me drew was such a winnable game for for alabama i mean i i know i know michigan michigan is a very seasoned veteran football team got a lot of seniors that have played a lot of ball together but uh you know, I thought I thought Alabama uh, should have won the game. They had multiple chances to win the game. Uh, there were certain spots in the game I thought we were gonna we were gonna take over, especially the the opening drive of the second half when we we drive the ball down the field, running the ball. Justice Haynes is, is you know is clipping you know you know eight, nine, ten yards a clip. Uh, and then the two bad snaps just absolutely killed killed that drive, killed that momentum. Um, so uh, that was it was you know listen I know the season with me Drew I know we haven't talked much together but uh, how Alabama does with Tennessee and Auburn is always the job one with me. So in that sense, plus you're, you're SEC champion, you beat Georgia. In that sense, it was a very successful season. By no, you know, by by no means it was. Um, but but to have the chances in that in that Michigan game in the Rose Bowl to, to win that game, uh, I just think um, I just think Alabama left so much on the field um, that they could have changed changed the outcome. What, what's your thoughts? Well, I mean, uh, it, football is a game of four or five plays, and. Georgia made a heavy run uh, in the second half against Alabama after Alabama controlled the line of scrimmage and really, I thought, outplayed the dogs uh, significantly in the first half. The second half, Georgia began to stop the run. Um, they made a big run at Alabama, and when Alabama had to, they put together the drives to win the game and put it away. And Jalen Milrow, uh, who in that game was a little up and down, but a lot of good quarterback play, and Bryce Young did it in the Iron Bowl in 21, 
is making the plays when you have to. And uh, Jalen Milrow certainly did in the uh, in the game against the Dogs and, and helped put that game away with both his arm and his legs. Uh, this time against Michigan, uh, they had a chance to do that. And I know you're referencing the fumble um, that where Alabama did fully take control of the game. I mean, they were they had they had begun to control the line of scrimmage. They were running it. I liked the fact that they played Justice Haynes and Jam Miller together and Roy Dell Williams along with uh, Jason McClellan. I thought all the backs uh, contributed to the win, and I enjoyed seeing everybody get in there. Uh, and I thought Alabama was starting to, uh, you know, uh, get a rhythm offensively, throw the ball better, uh, and then you know there was a fumble. And now the Alabama defense did their job and forced a long field goal, and they didn't get any points out of it. But Alabama had a chance uh, to, you know, take a, a two-score lead, and they didn't do that. And then, uh, you know, I felt I felt like if they took a two-score lead, the way they were dominating the line of scrimmage in the second half, that Michigan wouldn't have had enough time to come back, or the offensive firepower, honestly, uh, to do so. Uh, but again, they Alabama fumbled, yet they were able to, you know, take a seven-point lead with the long field goal from Will Reichard. And Reichard, of course, to me, in his last game at Alabama. Uh, with the 50 and the 52-yard kicks, uh, especially with the pressure kicks they were, he absolutely solidified himself as the greatest kicker in Alabama history. He holds every significant record. But again, it was one of those things where I felt like in 2016, the defense got seven straight stops and the offense wasn't able to put the game away. And they did finally score to take the lead, but the game should have already been put away. Uh, They didn't do it. I felt like this time, defensively, Alabama fell short. They just did not quite – even Milrow still gave them a seven-point lead, um, and, and and they had a chance to make one stop with 4.41 to go. Got it to fourth and two, couldn't make the stop. And then football is also a game of luck. Uh, you know, another, uh, you know, half a yard, another couple of inches. Deontay Lawson tipped the ball. If he tips it any higher, I think it goes over the receiver's head and Caleb Downs uh, uh, intercepts it, and this is a ball game for Alabama. But – the kid, the receiver made a great play. Uh, the the he didn't. Uh, Deontay made a great effort, just didn't quite get enough of the ball. And Michigan goes down and scores. And then Alabama still had an opportunity with a minute and thirty four to go to go down in their own two minute drill, and they didn't execute properly. So it was a really a team loss in every in every aspect. I thought special teams was good enough. I thought offense and defense they fell a little short, but. In, in the most cases, Paul, I, I just think, in, in this, especially in this one, I tip my cap more to the other team. Michigan was better on defense than I thought they would be. I knew they were good coming in, but when I saw their packages and what they were doing early in the game, because Alabama's offensive line had improved dramatically, I thought, uh, you know, from the midpoint of the season to where they when they got to the Rose Bowl. And Alabama had a ton of problems. You know, picking up the blitz, and it wasn't. I, you know, I, I was early in the season. I was critical on uh, with Milrow about picking up blitzes and not throwing the ball in time. And I know he missed some throws uh, uh, in this game, but again, I felt like only maybe the last sack was on Milrow where he didn't read the hot. These others, I mean, it, it, they, he was just under siege. And but I did think Alabama made a lot of nice adjustments. I thought they did a nice job in the second half coming out of the locker room, like you said. Uh, but those two snaps did kill the one drive, but they still continued to respond. They put themselves in position. They just couldn't close the deal. And I just felt like yeah, on that particular day, Michigan was the better team. I think if they played 10 games, Alabama would probably win six or seven. But that's football. And uh, unfortunately, Alabama fell a little short. But I know we need to take our first break. And again, we're powered by Tuscaloosa Toyota, TuscaloosaToyota.com. Paul, we appreciate the phone call. And you can join us too. 
605-342-9904 when we come back from this break on this edition of the game in Tuscaloosa on this Thursday. Tune in to DreamlandBBQ.com, Dreamland Barbecue. Since 1958, Coach Braun arrived at the University of Alabama. So did Dreamland with Big Daddy's Barbecue Hickory Smoke Ribs. If you're talking about catering for that big tailgate or maybe it's just that family gathering or that small office party, you can do it at either location. You can also order online, carry out, curbside pickup, delivery are now available. It is DreamlandBBQ.com. We do our score prediction every Tuesday and Wednesday. Wednesday, made possible by Dreamland, that wonderful hickory smoke barbecue ribs. How about the Big Daddy barbecue sandwich? Those wings are underrated. They're one of the best in town. You'll find them there. How about those barbecue baked potatoes? Absolutely. Either location in our immediate area, Tuscaloosa and the original location there off Jug Factory Road, downtown Northport, Dreamland ain't nothing like them nowhere. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny sky this afternoon, the high today 51, clear tonight, cold again, the low at 29. Tomorrow, increasingly cloudy. Rain moves in tomorrow night, the high 54. Saturday, rain ending early in the day, the high 55. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 51 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Where college football season never ends. The game with Ryan Fowler. Your home for Alabama, Alabama sports. sports. Tide 100.9. This is big boy football. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. I am your host, Drew Yarman, sitting in for Ryan Fowler. Get well soon, Ryan. Uh, he's back, of course, from California, but a little under the weather. Uh, and glad to sit in for him on the, in the hot seat. Glad he trusts me with the uh, best fans in college football, uh, and that is the University of Alabama. And, of course, he had a chance to connect with my next guest, first guest on the on the uh, hotline here in Tuscaloosa on Tide 109. One of my favorite guys. He's also been featured on my show many times. Uh, one of my favorite basketball heads, one of the best in the business. Uh, he's a big part of Fox Sports Radio. Of course, uh, you can catch his daily, and I do this a lot, uh, Aaron Torres podcast as well. I watch those quite a bit. He debuts many during during uh, uh, the week, sometimes a few a day. He's a very busy guy for Fox Sports Radio, and that is Aaron Torres. And Aaron Torres is with us now on our hotline here on Tide 109. Aaron, what's up, man? Uh, happy New Year to you. I hope you had a Merry Christmas. I know it's the first time we've talked in in a, in a, in, a, in a month or two here, but uh, great to connect with you today. How are you? I'm good. You know, obviously it was great seeing Ryan last week. Disappointing final result, which I know we'll get to in a minute. Uh, but uh, it's a pleasure to be speaking with you, and I hope you had a happy holiday, uh, you know, happy Christmas and, and New Year's Eve, uh, uh, Drew. I'm guessing it probably wasn't a great New Year's Day, but I'm so happy to be joined with you and uh, happy to chat with you and catch up on everything that happened last week. And by the way, it was great hanging out with Ryan, too, last week uh, on Radio Row and all that good Oh, yeah, man, no doubt. Uh, it's disappointing uh, for us that cover the University of Alabama. Uh, we, you know, I was, uh, I figured uh, 
there was a good chance you might be in Houston. My, you know, we were we were going to be headed that way. Uh, we were going to be headed my station to Houston if Alabama won. It would have been great to connect with everyone. Uh, wasn't to be this year. We were in Indianapolis a couple of years ago. That was disappointing as well. But again, you uh, you got to understand you can't take it for granted what Coach Saban has done. It's been amazing to watch uh, the. Michigan, they've gone through a lot themselves with all the uh, the the, uh, the allegations with the NCAA, the sign stealing. But mentally tough group. I got to give uh, Jim Harbaugh a lot of credit. Three years ago, he was on the hot seat. He couldn't get to the playoff. He couldn't beat his biggest rival, Ohio State. He's done that three years in a row. Uh, they even cut his salary. Now they're trying to sign him to another lifetime contract, basically. We'll see if that gets done. He may end up in the NFL after this run. Uh, there, there's a lot of, with uh, Don Yee being hired, there's a lot of speculation about that. But I guess, first of all, Aaron, I'll just ask you, uh, what was your ultimate, uh, you know, thoughts on the two matchups? First, Alabama-Michigan. It was a tale of two halves. I thought Michigan really dominated the beginning of the game. I thought Alabama, quite frankly, uh, you know, Paul and Lincoln called in, the first, in uh, before we went on first break. I thought that they dominated the first half, and Alabama was fortunate to be only down by three. But I, then I thought Alabama, for the most part, until the final four minutes of the game, dominated half two. Yeah, um, first of all, couple things true one i agree with that assessment 100 percent um you know that's that's kind of what i said on my show is that you know uh first half dominated by michigan uh probably 60 percent of the second half if not more probably to your point probably even more uh dominated by alabama and then you know listen the last probably seven eight minutes you know milro has the fumble michigan misses the field goal then they end up scoring inside the game whatever bottom line is this though one thing i will say and I was hoping Ryan was going to be on the show today, and I hope he gets better. Um, I know it's easy for Alabama fans to, to be frustrated with the way this season ended. Um, and I even saw, believe it or not, and, and I'm sure it's a conversation you've had at Huntsville as well as, as today on Tide 100.9. You know, I saw a lot of pushback that, you know, Nick Saban underachieved with this group just relative to the recruiting rankings and all that stuff. And what I would say is, you know, it's easy to say stuff like that, Drew. But And I wanted Ryan on today for one reason. It's because in the preseason, he asked me what I thought of Alabama. He said, what do you think? And I said, my preseason national championship pick is Michigan over Alabama in the national championship. Mm. And I remember him saying, oh, really? And why I bring it up is because going into the season, everybody loved Georgia. They're the two-time reigning champ. We all know what David Pollock stupidly said on ESPN, and I, I like David Pollock, so I'm not criticizing him necessarily. We all have strong opinions. But the point I'm trying to make is if I had told you in August when everybody thought Georgia was, was three-peating, when nobody knew who Alabama's quarterback is, and then especially after those first two, three weeks of the season, obviously Texas and South Florida specifically, that Alabama was going to win the SEC, go to the college football playoff, you would have deemed that a successful season. I'll take it a step further. Ryan said, when I said that my preseason pick was Michigan over Alabama in the national championship, he said, well, that means we we won the SEC and made the playoff. I would consider that a successful season. So I know in the moment it's frustrating. I know it's disappointing. And I know that at Alabama, anything short of a national championship is a wasted season. I will also say that if you gave most Alabama fans in August, SEC champion, 
you beat Georgia in the title game. Georgia's at full strength, so it's not like, you know, they're ravaged by injuries or anything. You reassert yourself as the premier program in the Southeastern Conference, and you go to the college football playoff but don't win the national championship. I know it's easy to say now, but you would have absolutely taken that in August. And so I just want to put that in perspective for a lot of people that are down or disappointed or whatever. I know you want to win a championship every year, but all things considered where things were in August and early to mid-September, things turned around pretty quickly, and it was overall a pretty good year for Nick Saban and company. Oh, I don't, I don't think there's any doubt. I've even said this on my show. I'll say it in Tuscaloosa today with you on. I think it was Nick Saban's best coaching job ever because – I, I, I it, people want to mention the recruiting rankings, but that, you know, they don't always, uh, you know, pan out. Uh, recruiting is an inexact science, even with Nick Saban. I thought this team, when you looked at it, uh, they have some first round guys, some guys have already declared for the draft, but it's not like they got five or six first round picks. And I thought, and especially with the, how far the offense had to come, this was not the most talented team that Alabama's had. They've got NFL players, but they, this is not a 2020 offense. This is not uh, – in this defense improved dramatically uh, uh, under Kevin Steele, but it still had some deficiencies as well. So I think this well, team – can I jump in on that too? Transfer portal, the guys departing and stuff. Go ahead, Aaron. Well, no, I, and what I was going to say too is I, I understand how recruiting rankings work, and I understand that we want them to be a be-all, end-all. One right. thing I have not heard anyone say, Drew, is yes. – the 2021 recruiting class, um, and, and by the way, people talk about the deficiencies on Alabama's roster. First of all, I, I just think it's a weird year because a team like Alabama or Georgia that traditionally loses a lot of players early to the NFL, they're hurt while you have a school like Michigan that with the COVID year has something like 44 seniors or something on their roster. So it's a weird time where the schools that gen- generally lose players are, are behind but then the teams that are historically able to, you know, basically there, there's a weird thing where teams are now keeping guys for a fifth and in, in some cases sixth year. The other thing I haven't heard anybody talk about, Drew, you know, the, the, the argument that this roster is so insanely talented is based on, in large part, the junior class, which was recruited in 2021. Why do I bring that up, Drew? Well, if you remember, 2021 was the year that, some kids didn't play high school football at all. That would have been the fall of 2020 into 2021. That was the year that some kids didn't play high school football at all. Coaches weren't allowed to go on the road to evaluate it all. And so we've seen this in both football and basketball. I think there were a lot of misses in those recruiting classes. I'm not picking on any player specifically or whatever, but you wonder how there are deficiencies on this team. I just think some of these kids were just completely misevaluated because they either were playing, they, they either weren't playing at all, or they weren't able to train the way that they trained or whatever. And I'll just give you a quick example. But I, you know, I remember being at the Final Four last year, my alma mater, UConn. Their star player Jordan Hawkins was a part of the 2021 recruiting class in basketball, and he said that he never even visited UConn. The first time he ever uh, was on UConn's campus was the day he showed up to move in. So I just bring it up because you, you sit there and say. They had all these great recruiting classes. How are these? How are there these holes? And I think that's part of it that nobody's talked about. Is that 2021 recruiting class was just so weird? Well, guess what? Those kids are now juniors, and that's why you see some holes on the roster that you might not normally see. Well, see, and we're talking to Fox Sports Radio 
uh, analyst uh, and, and host Aaron Torres, and that's why he's one of the best in the business. I think that's a great uh, point you made. You haven't heard anybody make that point, have you? No, and that's what I mean. I mean that that's a great point. Um, that the 2021 recruiting class, in many ways, uh, you know, and and it was touted for Alabama, who signed the number one class, as one of the best ever on paper. But you know that paper paper can burn, and I, what I mean by that sure. is. In this, in this, in, in many cases, you're correct. There was there was five star players that didn't pan out. You couldn't evaluate kids in person. You couldn't have camps, uh, which is a big part of Nick yep. Saban's uh, way to evaluate players. And so again, that's a that recruiting class in many many ways. You're correct, and, and that's across college football was uh, has uh, has really been had a ripple effect. And so uh, and and like you said, also a lot of these teams are older because of COVID. The COVID years. I really think next year is probably going to be the last year of a lot of the COVID players because there's still guys coming Correct. back for extra years. But that's what's made some of these teams older and better. And I think Michigan man is what's and what's become so important, Aaron. With and I know you've been a big topic for you on your daily podcast and on Fox Sports Radio is the transfer portal has changed so much in NIL. Oh yeah, there's so much player movement now. Uh, roster management for coaches. It, it, it's not really, and I don't mean, as certainly Ole Miss has been very aggressive in, in adding guys, but what we saw today, they, they lost arguably their best player. The biggest thing is retaining your own players. Mm-hmm. No, 100%. And, you know, that's one thing I, I've noticed is that, in general, when you hear coaches, you know, usually it starts about late October, early November, complaining about NIL. What they're doing is they're obviously rallying their boosters. But what I think is, you know, I think when Nick Saban called out Jimbo Fisher, that was about high school recruiting. But I think mostly during the season, Mark Stoops has done it a few years in a row. You know, Lane Kiffin is. I think it's mostly about making sure that people aren't poaching your your star players. And so what I would say is, you know, Quinshawn Judkins today is, is really the exception to the rule. Most of the best players who have entered the portal really are coming from places you know, like a Texas A&M where they had a coaching change, maybe like a Florida where it's clearly going in the wrong direction. I mean, there haven't been a ton of marquee players on good teams that have left. You know, I mean, Alabama lost, what, eight, nine players the other day. But, Drew, you would know better than me. I mean, how many of them were real impact players? Now, the question is, how many of them potentially could have been impact players a year or two? I don't know. But I just bring it up to say is it's absolutely changed the game. And then to your point, you know, we, we laud Lane Kiffin and we think he's got everything figured out. And, and I love Lane, so this isn't a knock on him necessarily, but it just shows you all the things that a college football coach has to deal with. I mean, Lane Kiffin's trying to sign a high school recruiting class. He signs this incredible group of players out of the portal. He wins the Peach Bowl, 11 wins, first time in school history. It's never been done. And then he comes back to campus and his best player is in the portal. We'll see if he actually transfers. Last I saw, he wasn't actually in the portal, just had kind of made the announcement that he planned on evaluating his options. But I just bring it up to say it is a crazy, crazy, crazy new world. Um, you know, and credit to the guys. That, you know, I, I would say, and I've told Ryan this, Drew, and I know I'm rambling, but, you know, everybody wants to say, oh, these coaches make so much money. Don't feel bad for them, blah, 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 blah. It, it is a thankless, endless job for these guys. And obviously this Lane Kiffin, Ole Miss, which example is just the latest example. It really is. And and now let's switch gears. Uh, you you were there for the Rose Bowl. Uh, you obviously watched the Texas-Washington game. You're on the West Coast. You know what Kalen DeBoer has done, which is re- 
remarkable. I mean, he's not really getting enough credit for winning 21 games in a row and, and what he's doing. And Penix has been tremendous. Um, I know they won some games, but they just know how to win. I think they've won 11 in a row by one score. Um, they're underdogs again to Michigan slightly. Uh, wh- what are you What are you looking at? What do you like? And uh, how, how are you seeing the matchup right now with uh, Michigan and Washington? Well, what I would say, and this is not an original thought, um, you know, I'm not the first person to say this. I'm not the 10th person to say it this week, but I, I do think they pose a very unique matchup to Michigan because it's the best passing attack that Michigan will have seen all year. I mean, with respect yes. to Jalen Milrow, with, yeah, with respect to Kyle McCord, with respect to Penn State, those are teams that have strengths and weaknesses, but the quarterback and the wide receivers are not a strength. Obviously, that is the strength at um, at Washington. And one thing I will say, Drew, I learned this lesson two years ago, and it's going to pain Alabama fans to hear this, but two years ago in 2021, before it was cool for everybody to pick Georgia, in the preseason, I picked Georgia to win the national championship. Then Alabama goes down to Atlanta, boat races Kirby Smart, they meet up in the championship game, and I say, there's no way Georgia is losing this game, and uh, and I'm going to pick, there's no way Georgia's winning this game, excuse me, I'm picking Alabama to win. We all know what happened, as you said, in Indianapolis, and the rest is history. So why I bring it up, Drew, is I once made the mistake of picking a team in the preseason to win the national championship. They get to the title game, and then I pick against them. So it's a little bit of a cop-out, but I'm going to be taking Michigan to win this game. They were my preseason pick. I did pick them to beat Alabama in the Rose Bowl. If you noticed on Tide 100.9 when I was with Brian last week, I refused to give him my pick on air. That was part of the reason why. Um, and I do think, and you can go back to the Rose Bowl, some of the, you know, J.J. McCarthy, the reverse, or the uh, double pass where he's getting killed, you know, like just does sort of feel like a team of destiny with that group. Uh, Michigan will be my pick to win the national championship. Okay, now I said this on my show, and I'm going to run it by you because you have the pulse of of uh, you know it, uh, not just college football, but you you cover the NFL on Fox Sports Radio. Um, you have a lot of contacts on the West Coast, especially. I've said this that if Michigan does finish the mission that they're going to make it very difficult for Harbaugh to leave just simply because and now I know he would have accomplished his ultimate goal for his alma mater and then he could ride off into the sunset and he could pull the Pete Carroll and he might do that, especially with the NCAA sniffing around and go to the Chargers. But I think they're going to make it very difficult for him to leave. Now, if they don't win this game, I've said I think he would go to San Diego and go to the NFL. But if he wins it, I'm, I'm kind of I'm going to pull the contrarian thing. I'm going to say he stays. Uh, what is your take on it? Do you think he's going to go back to the NFL? And Because uh, the, the Chargers would be a great landing spot. They have a really good roster. You need a quarterback in that league. They've got a good defense. Uh, they check a lot of boxes that he had with San Francisco. Uh, but uh, what, what are your thoughts on Harbaugh and his future? So I think it's a great conversation. It's actually a topic I'll probably talk about maybe on my Monday show. I'll make my official pick tomorrow, which I just made with you. But I think it's an interesting conversation of – does winning the national championship or losing the national championship, like like what makes it more likely that he, that he leaves? And I think it's exactly what you said. If he loses, you sit there and say, well, crap, he's got 44 seniors. We're going to a 12-team playoff where he's probably going to have to go through two, maybe three SEC teams every year. Like it's never going to be set up better for him than this year. So you can take that stance. You can also take the stance that you took, Drew, of if he wins it, it makes it less likely that he – or not the stance that you took. But I think – 
you can argue either side. If he wins it, it makes it more likely that he goes. He finished his job. If he loses, um, it, you could also sit there and say, well, it'll never be set up better for him, and you're going to be going through a rebuild. Two quick things, Drew, uh, my thoughts on, on Harbaugh's NFL future. One, you know, I keep hearing all this, like, the NCAA is going to come down on Michigan. And, like, my whole thing is I feel like Michigan didn't fight the Big Ten suspension this year because they kind of assume that, okay, if we get through this, the NCAA is going to go easy on us. So I know there's really good reporters that have put that out there, but I just I don't know that I buy that some crazy suspension is coming for Jim Harbaugh if he stays, especially because he already served a three-game suspension this year. So could it be – listen, I don't know. But in my head, when it comes down, I mean, what are we talking about here? I mean, even if it's like another three games, like – you know, I, I don't know. I just I I can't see a half a season suspension when he already served three games and we still have no proof that he knew anything. So that's from the Michigan NCAA side of things. The one thing I will say about the NFL, I am still not sold that the Chargers are going to be the spot, and I'll tell you why. It is because the Chargers, and I, I live on the West Coast, and I know people that work for the team, et cetera, they have historically not paid coaches at all. Like, Brandon Staley, the guy that got fired, who was terrible, was making $4 million a year. Jim yeah. Harbaugh has, his, has a contract on his desk right now for triple that, for $12 million a year for whatever it is, 10 years or whatever to stay at Michigan. And so I just sit yep. there and say, even if Sandy, or the, the Los Angeles Chargers, excuse me, even if they doubled what they paid Brandon Staley, that's still a 33% discount on Jim Harbaugh. So the question becomes... Are they going to make him a $12, $15, 20000000 million a year guy? NFL salaries are hard to really know. Um, but Sean Payton, the reports are, obviously with the Denver Broncos, the reports are that it's somewhere in the neighborhood of like fifteen to $20 million a year. If, if Los Angeles isn't willing to do that, I just don't know why he would leave for a third of the salary. Now, maybe the Raiders do that, but even the Raiders, they're still paying Josh McDaniels a huge buyout. So I go on and on down the list. I still, I, you know, listen – only Jim Harbaugh knows what Jim Harbaugh wants to do. Everyone seems to, everything seems to indicate that he is obviously going to, at the very least, look at NFL options this offseason. But I'm just still not sold that the Chargers are going to make him a $13, $14, 15000000 million a year offer, which I think realistically you probably have to do uh, to get him to leave Michigan to go to the NFL. Yeah, no doubt. I, I would, I agree. I, I and you and I are on the same page, and that's uh, and we usually are, uh, and th that's why I think so much of your work and always enjoy the conversation. And we look forward to having you on in Huntsville again soon too, especially since both of our labors of love, college basketball, is entering conference play, and uh, we know Ryan is a little bit still a neophyte in that area, uh, but you and I love to talk hoops, and we're going to do that really soon. But I, I thank you for the extended conversation. Uh, I know one of these days. We're going to hook up. I wasn't able to, of course, make it to Arizona for Alabama and Arizona out there at the West Coast. I know you were there. I know you already made a trip uh, to Arkansas this year as well. Uh, to And uh, in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, that's another uh, stop that I need to make and take in. But one of these days, our paths are going to cross. But I enjoy your work, my friend. And uh, let everybody know how to listen to your daily podcast and your daily radio programming and what you do for Fox Sports Radio. Uh, but we always enjoy the takes, and we thank you for joining us in Tuscaloosa. Thank you for having me, Drew. Uh, I appreciate it. Before we get to my podcast, I have a question for you. 
Sure. I have an Alabama Rose Bowl pin that I got the other day. Yeah. Is that something that an Alabama fan would be interested in? I'd be happy to give it to one, but do they want any commemoration of what just happened on Monday? Is the wound still not still too fresh? Is the is the is the cut still too deep? What do you think? I think the cut is probably still too deep for most. Now, if it was an SEC championship game, uh, pin, <laughs> keep that. Now, I, I did have one of my listeners for Christmas. He did mail me his cup from the game, from the SEC championship game, uh, without even asking. I hope it got washed out. Yeah, I hope it got washed yes. out. Oh, it's in the it's in the dishwasher. Okay, good, good. good. Well, I'll tell you what. If any Alabama fan wants it, we'll we'll revisit this in maybe a week or two. It's a pretty cool pin. Um, yeah. But yeah, but yeah, no, I appreciate that. Follow me on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres, the Aaron Torres podcast. Uh, and the Aaron Torres podcast is also on YouTube. So just make sure to find everything there. I know a lot of people aren't on social media, so that is the best place to find me. And then, of course, find me on the game once a week here, Tide 100.9, Fox Sports Radio. Of course, this is a Fox affiliate now. So, so yeah, I'm in, as you said, I'm all over yeah, you certainly are. And give your family my best regards, including your lovely wife. We uh, certainly appreciate you. Thank you, sir, and have a great rest of your day. All right. Thank you, Drew. Roll Tide. Talk soon. Yes, sir. That's Aaron Torres. We need to take a break here. We are powered by Tuscaloosa, TuscaloosaToyota.com, and we can take your calls for the final segment of the first hour of the game here on this Thursday in Tuscaloosa, 205-342-9904. You can join us. up next on the stingray show on the thursday evening edition of the stingray show we are going to turn our attention to the first weekend of sec basketball as alabama takes on vanderbilt on saturday at 2 30 we will be joined by southeastern 14's chris lee to talk all things college basketball and to preview the national championship game between michigan and washington that is on the thursday evening edition of the stingray show tune in Tune into the Stingray Show Thursday night from 6 to 7 p.m. on Tide 100.9. Pharmacy at Midtown, T.J. Thomas. He's the Nick Saban of pharmacists, and if your pharmacist doesn't have an Alabama shirt on, you don't want him. 205-752-0627. Sterile compounding facility, the only sterile compounding facility here in T-Town and West Alabama. All the compounding needs, the retail side. If you're looking for a pharmacy, many of those have closed here in West Alabama, and you're looking to transfer your prescriptions, pharmacymidtown.com, pharmacymidtown.com, conveniently located right there at the back of Midtown. You'll find the pharmacy at Midtown a huge part of our show. I'm attorney Stephen. Eli Gold, Chris Stewart, and Roger Hoover live right here. Tide 100.9 is a proud partner of the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away. Now it looks as though they're here to stay. Oh, I believe. Correct myself. We've got a lightning segment coming up here. We got a uh, two segments left in this hour because this show is set up a little bit different than mine in Huntsville. Uh, as I bring you Talking Ball with Scott Tyson and myself Monday through Friday from 7 to 9. Sitting in for Ryan Fowler today on Tide 109 on the game in Tuscaloosa. We're going to go out to our hotline. One of my favorite guys, he, he joins us in Huntsville. Uh, I know he's a huge Tide fan. I know it's, it's probably been tough on him uh, in the aftermath of Monday. 
uh, with Alabama falling a little short, but it's always great to catch up with Ellis from Manchester, and he's with us now on the hotline here on the game in Tuscaloosa on Tide 109. Ellis, what's up? Roll Tide. Roll Tide there. I uh, heard you had uh, heard you on the show this morning. You had a little bit of problem with uh, uh, frost, a big frost down there. Yes, I did, sir. Uh, my my had a frozen vehicle, so had to do the first segment driving in uh, as the old defrost had to get rolling for the, with the car because I mean it wasn't just it, it was ice this morning. So uh, yes, I did. I don't have a uh, garage where I live, so it was a little bit uh, uh, more hectic today, but. We got it done. That's the great thing with technology, just like what I'm doing right now, uh, joining you guys here uh, from Huntsville, but uh, li- but uh, live in Tuscaloosa. So you got to love Skype. You got to love technology. And uh, it's uh, great to connect with the Tide fans and uh, great to be on with you guys today and uh, talk a little Alabama football. We're going to talk recruiting with John Garcia at the top of the next hour. He was at the Under Armour game that was played yesterday. We'll get some of his thoughts on that. The All-American game, the former Army game, is going to be Saturday. Uh, and uh, and that will be, I think, still in San Antonio. So we're going to catch up with John and talk a little recruiting. But it's always great to catch up with you, Ellis. So what, what, what were your thoughts on the game, bud? Uh, well, uh, we lost right there at the end. I still don't understand about the play call there, there at the end in overtime. Uh, you know, we should have, you know, at least through the pass to the tight end, Get it running straight up the middle, but you know, and then the all the the balls that were hiked back to Jalen Miro, you know, the center awful. It was just awful. Uh, it'd been good for a while, but then it reared its ugly head Monday night. I think that was most of the problems why we lost the ball game is because of that. Because to me, it loses momentum when you do that, you know, uh, in my book, but. I just uh, just waiting for next season and see who we're gonna get as uh, uh, the coaches that's leaving. You know, I'm anxious to see. I heard you talk about a few people that you heard about. Uh, everybody's talking about they'd like to have Bo Davis, but uh, I think whoever Nick Saban gets, it'll uh, it'll be a good. Well, yeah, you have to trust coach. I mean, certainly he's been he's built the best organization in college football, considering that. He's lost coaches every year uh, and made changes, and this is no different. Holman Wiggins recently departing for Texas A&M uh, to be the uh, assistant, uh, uh, you know, or co excuse me, co-offensive coordinator, wide receivers coach, uh, be in charge of the passing game under Mike Elko. Uh, certainly, he he did a good job at Alabama as a recruiter and coach. Was the longest tenured assistant uh, in Tuscaloosa. Now that would fall to Freddie Roach, uh, and so and and I've been critical of Roach. I've been critical of him on my show. I don't think the defensive line can close out games the way they used to. Uh, I, I That's where I equate most of it. I know a lot of people are talking about that, that final snap, Ellis, and the play call. If you go back and look at it, the snap certainly didn't help that last play. Um, you know, and if, and it wasn't blocked up completely properly like it was supposed to be, but there was still a, uh, you know, an, an avenue there uh, if Milrow had seen it or where he could have scored. Uh, you know, there was a hole. There was a if – if he had – it looked like to to, uh, to to those that saw it, if he had cut left, uh, he could have scored. But again, I, I still blame more uh, of the of not being able to close it out defensively, uh, not being able to as a defensive line in a front seven, uh, you know, pressure the QB 
uh, and dictate and close out games. In other words, it, you know, the way Alabama used to do it, and I, and I said this on my show this morning, from 2007, because even the first year, all the way through 2017, which is the first 11 years of his tenure, um, you would see games, for example, like the, the 2012 comeback in Baton Rouge, where Alabama played poorly for much of the second half. Everybody remembers that. Uh, but A.J. McCarron and Kevin yeah. Norwood would matter. They drove down. We remember the screen pass to Yeldon. They scored. And then LSU still had over a minute uh, or around a minute to to drive down and potentially win the game. But guess what? Alabama's defensive line, Damian Square and those guys, they dictated and dominated the game and closed it out. And Alabama had two chances. They didn't uh, close it out defensively at the end of regulation, which is what you're just referring to, Ellis. And then also mm -hmm. in overtime, nobody's really talking about that. It took two running plays, and Alabama, it didn't even look like they were out there. I mean, it was just two plays, 25 yards, touchdown. They didn't put up much resistance. And I just think overall the front seven down the stretch didn't close out the game because it wasn't Milrow's best game, but it wasn't his best game against Georgia either. But he made enough plays to help Alabama win. He put Alabama in position to win the game on set on uh, Monday, pardon me, and Alabama couldn't close it out. So I still – it was a team loss, no question about it. They made enough mistakes offensively and defensively. Uh, but it still bothers me uh, that Alabama did not play as well in the trenches as they need to play. Yes, and it ain't one person's fault. It's just the team fault, team fault and coach's fault. You know, it ain't just one person. Uh, I think Jalen Milrow will be better next year. Uh that's what I think. Uh, but that's going to ask you one more thing. I'm thinking about going to the Vanderbilt-Alabama basketball game, Saturday. What do you think about that? Well, yeah, I think, it, it, I think you should. I think it's a, a golden opportunity. Uh, Vanderbilt's 5-8. and eight. They're struggling a little bit. Alabama's 8-5. and five. Uh, I think Alabama fans could take over, uh, certainly Memorial Gym. It's a historic place. I know you love to travel to Nashville, Ellis. It's a place you frequent. Uh, if I were you, I would take advantage of that. It's an afternoon tip, and – I would go see the Tide and see if they can get off to a 1-0 start in the SEC. Certainly, uh, they had they played the toughest schedule in the country. Uh, I think, uh, you know, they played very well, though, in the CM Newton Classic against a good Liberty team. And uh, hopefully they can carry that over against Vanderbilt and get a big win. Wins on the road in the SEC aren't easy to get. And you, you'd like to see the Tide have maybe a, 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 a home court advantage on the road with the Tide Nation showing up. But we appreciate the call, Ellis. I hope you travel to Nashville. It's always great to catch up with you. We need to take our final break and then wrap up this first hour of the game here on Thursday in Tuscaloosa on Tide 109. For art.com as we celebrate special occasions birthdays anniversary that alabama fan in your life it's danielmoreart.com christmas time upcoming you want to celebrate that alabama fan by visiting the website all the great prints celebrating heisman winners great coaches nick saban and alabama's given us so many great moments to think about and we talk about living rooms Tua Tungavailoa, second and 26. Devontae Smith, Heisman Heights, Mark Ingram, Bryce Young, Nick Saban, Coach Stallings, Coach Bryant, DanielMoreArt.com. Remember the code word, the game gets a significant discount. You got to put it in the game, significant discount, DanielMoreArt.com. And we would also ask when you say, where did you hear about this? We'd ask that you would select the game with Ryan Fowler. We greatly appreciate you going to DanielMoreArt.com. Dot com.
the longest-running sports show in Tuscaloosa. The Game with Ryan Fowler on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. up our number one here uh, on Tide 109. We are going to be joined in uh, a couple of minutes by John Garcia. John Garcia, I've known him for years, since his days with uh, Scout.com, then goes to 24-7, the director of recruiting for Sports Illustrated, and now in his new role as a recruiting analyst for Rivals.com. He is set to join us at the top of this next hour to talk Crimson Tide recruiting. He was at the Under Armour game. Nobody more knowledgeable when it comes to the Crimson Tide and recruiting than John Garcia, and he'll join us next. Stay with us here. Hour number two of the game coming back. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Kitchen Mexican food right there in Northport. If you're looking for the great specials daily, the fajitas are outstanding. The pastures dip, the appetizers, the fried ice cream, always a great option. It is Pastures Kitchen Mexican food. Also find the food truck. And we are also now serving breakfast at Pastures Kitchen Mexican food. Stop by the McFarland Boulevard location. You can also find him in Northside Pastures Kitchen Mexican food with Pastor Garcia. Hey. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny sky this afternoon, the high today 51. Clear tonight, cold again, the low at 29. Tomorrow, increasingly cloudy. Rain moves in tomorrow night, the high 54. Saturday, rain ending early in the day, the high 55. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Winter Center on Tide 100.9. It's 51 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Dan the Golden State Warriors could be getting Draymond Green back sooner rather than later. A report from ESPN says that Green will return to the team in the next few days to start practicing. Green continues to serve his indefinite suspension and will need to be reinstated by Commissioner Adam Silver before he can return to game action. Green will miss his 11th straight game tonight when the Warriors face Denver. The Brooklyn Nets became the first team in the NBA to be fined for violating the new load management rules. The Nets were docked $100,000 
as the league says four of their rotational players could have played in a game against the Bucks on December 27th. Bucks forward Giannis Antetokounmpo leads all players in voting for in the first returns for next month's All-Star game. Lakers forward LeBron James has the most votes of Western Conference players. After 12 years in the league, point guard Ricky Rubio has announced his retirement. Dolphins wide receiver Tyreek Hill didn't practice today, one day after his house caught on fire in South Florida. Sitting in Ryan Fowler uh, here uh, on the game on Tide 109. And as we said, going into the break after hour one, we're going to catch up with one of my favorite people. He's been busy. This is a time of year for him. First of all, you have the signing period in the, on December 20th, which has turned into actually February now because 95% or more of the hay is in the barn um, for these recruiting classes. There are a few to chase, and there's the Ryan Williams situation, Terry Bussey, and we'll talk about that uh, in February. But most of the time, uh, the hay is in the barn. Then he's now been covering the Under Armour game, which was played yesterday, and uh, the All-American game will be played on Saturday and, of course, I'm talking about National Recruiting Analyst for Rivals.com, John Garcia, and it's great to catch up with him. John, I hope you had a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and I'm sure it was an even better one being a new father now. But uh, congratulations, man, and uh, thank you for taking the time to join us in your busy schedule here in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, likewise. It's been, uh, been a heck of a year for sure. Yeah, it really has. Uh, and I get, I know you, you put out your top performers for the Under Armour game, um, and that one – Caden Jones, who is there's always in recruiting guys commit early. So they kind of get forgetting about, uh, you know, fans focus on the final few pieces or uh, the Ryan Williams saga, which has got to play itself out between Alabama, Auburn and Texas. He's committed to Alabama. But Caden Jones, a guy from the state of North Carolina that committed early. Uh, but it looked like he had a strong performance during the week and yesterday in the game with a pick six, John. Yeah, and obviously the pick six sort of speaks for itself. I mean, to to his credit, I mean, the ball was kind of thrown right at him. But, you know, outrunning a bunch of receivers and, and running backs, I thought, said a lot about his game. And really, the, the first impression with him, Drew, was, was his strength. I mean, legitimate 6'3", 6'4", well over 200 pounds, uh, kind of striking frame. So it makes you wonder um, just what position he's going to play. Which linebacker spot can he bump outside, maybe? down the line uh, in Tuscaloosa. So you were kind of intrigued just by seeing Caden and then obviously watching him play incredibly physical tackler, works really well downhill and clearly aware uh, and, and, and comfortable in space and in coverage uh, registering that. Uh, I think it was a 50-plus yard pick six last Well, yeah, and again, Nick Saban would, would call this rat poison because I'm making comparisons, but uh, I, I, I couldn't help but think that, of course, he's going to have to gain weight. You talked about adding to his frame, John. But he kind of reminded me of a guy that was a really good player in Tuscaloosa. He's now uh, done a lot of sideline work. He has a show on Tide 109. He reminds me of maybe another Christian Miller who could develop into a really good pass rusher, maybe an outside edge guy for Alabama. 
Yeah, another, you know, South Carolina, North Carolina guy, Christian Miller. Yeah, those were the same kind of questions that, that we had for him uh, coming out of high school many years ago. I, I agree. You know, I think the floor is probably an off-ball backer, but with that frame, you definitely get curious about a ceiling as a potential pass rusher. So I do think that's something that could potentially be explored depending on how you hit the ground running in college, which is always the great unknown with, uh, with our business. Yeah, no doubt about it. And then, of course, uh, he got a, he had a touchdown early in the game, a two-point conversion. Ryan Williams, amazing he's only 16 years old, John. And I know you still cover the state of Alabama, but you used to extensively uh, just focus on Alabama recruiting and cover the entire state. But I know you've seen Ryan. Uh, they had uh, showcase games earlier this year. Uh, you know, and, uh, and, and of course they made it all the way to the state championship game, nearly repeated his six day champ was, uh, you know, denied by Clay Chalkville and in his, uh, could be his future teammate, Jalen Mbakwe. And I know Mbakwe, we'll talk about him too. He was at, uh, the Under Armour game, but what are your impressions of Ryan Williams? I think he's a, a magical talent, uh, just from watching him. And, and uh, quite frankly, I didn't know a lot about him until about halfway. I started studying him about halfway through his sophomore year last year when he became the first sophomore in history to win Mr. Football. And then uh, he's now the two-time Gatorade Player of the Year. But you just when you saw him down the stretch of a year ago and the way he elevated that Saraland program, which is already good, but he made them great. They won a state championship. And then what he did this year, this is a guy that's uh, – you know, you don't ever want to say can't miss, but I think he's the best prospect in the state of Alabama. And that says a lot because even reclassifying, and this is, I think, a very top-heavy, talented uh, class, He's, uh, I think he's far and away the best player. Uh, your thoughts on Ryan Williams and what you've seen? Yeah, every time you see him, you, you have to, you know, double-check and say, man, 16 years old? Seriously? Because, you know, he's he's – going up top and, and routing up TVs that are, you know, 18, in some cases 19 years old on the same field. Um, and, and that's the biggest thing. You know, it's one thing to be great uh, as a sophomore and as a junior, but to reclassify and carry all of the pressure, momentum, obviously academic pressure included, and just kind of smile and continue to dominate along the way, I think says a lot about the demeanor and mentality of Orion Williams. Uh, obviously, we, we saw it all week at Under Armour. There was not a better route runner out there. And this is a year, this year and next year, really, where wide receivers are kind of the stars of the show. I mean, it is a wide receiver heavy class. Uh, number one player is a wide receiver, Jeremiah Smith. So I think to be able to reclassify and maintain the, the five stars and probably, and not, not probably for us at Rivals, move up the rankings here at the last update which is coming out later this month that says a whole heck of a lot about your ability so i I get a ton of vibes from him he's got the confidence and swagger of any great alabama receiver that you can name over the last 20 years or so but it's really about his game he's got a mature game despite being 15 years old uh his route running ability the way he can set a defender up is unmatched in this class and not to mention 4-4 4-4 laser speed on top of it. So it's not just a mature game. It's, it's a natural game on top of it. So you get a lot of vibes dealing with Ryan Williams. And, and I continue to go back to uh, a former first-rounder, not a Bama first-rounder, but a former first-rounder in, in Garrett Wilson. And that's just kind of the frame and game that he brings to the table, in my opinion, just an incredible route runner and a guy that you just have to manufacture touches for, whether you want to, have him route up a defensive back at the second or third level, or you just hand it to him, throw him a bubble screen, whatever it is. 
he's just the type of guy that needs to get involved in the offense and commands respect no matter where he lines up uh, relative to the defense. So as he physically matures, the sky really becomes the limit because he's going to enter college bigger than Garrett Wilson, bigger than Devontae Smith, bigger than some of these blue-chip receivers that we've seen dominate uh, at Alabama. So I'm really excited to see him you know, turn that corner once his recruitment is all said and done. And then, John, I know he'll only he'll be turning 17 uh, on his uh, birthday, February 9th, when he plans on signing. Uh, that's still very young. He'll be joining the, uh, the enrolling uh, at the college of his choice. And uh, right now that would be the University of Alabama. I know you guys had a chance to speak with him uh, in your mind and you guys at Rivals. Where does his recruitment stand right now? Yeah, I would say at the beginning of the Under Armour week, I would say that the vibes were very strong with, with him sticking with Alabama over Auburn and Texas. Texas was kind of the surprise finalist there. And Georgia, LSU, USC, a bunch of other schools were trying to manufacture visits this month. And then coming out of the week, especially following the Holman Wiggins news, we had to cycle back and, and talk to him last night. And, and he said, look, I'm 100% committed. You know, so he's not backing off of any perception uh, around his Alabama commitment. You know, he did admit that, you know, obviously losing a position coach matters. You know, he didn't want to make it seem like it was not a big deal because he does have a relationship with Coach Wiggins, but, you know, Nick Saban, Tommy Reese, like many coaches are involved with him, communicating with him to pick up that slack. Uh, and obviously he's a priority for February anyway, so those coaches were already involved and very much trying to help Alabama hold on there. So he's obviously looking forward to seeing, you know, the future complete coaching staff, whoever that receiver coach may be. Uh, but at this time he said nothing really changes in his recruitment. Still down to those three schools. Um, Bama's still getting the first official visit the weekend of January 20th, and I think if, if the Tide's got the coach in place by that time, obviously that'll uh, enable him to, to be able to sit down intimately and, and start to get to know um, one of the coaches that might be you know with him every single day once he gets to the next level. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, and also, I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about Jalen Mbakwe. Uh, certainly, uh, he's one of the fastest kids in the state of Alabama. He didn't play his his collegiate position this year for Clay Chalkville. They needed him to touch the ball all the time. He was their best player. He played quarterback. He did a great job, though. They beat Sarah Land in a very high-level 6A state championship game. They beat Thompson this year. Uh, he had a heck of a season. Uh, but your overall impressions of Mbakwe and where you see him uh, projecting on the collegiate level, John? Yeah, the only guy to beat Ryan Williams in a foot race this week was Jalen Ibakwe, who won fast man uh, at the Under Armour event. So it was Bama versus Bama there uh, at the very end. Ibakwe barely got the better uh, of Ryan Williams. But look, as you said, uh, just a, a guy who off the bat, you know, is a team guy, right? Moving to quarterback this year at Clay Chalkville was, was no easy task, but, uh, but he did the job, obviously, and outdueled Ryan Williams on the field for that state championship uh, a couple weeks ago there as well. So got to see him work out at corner, which is obviously where he's going to play at the next level. Great frame, obviously great speed and instincts and ball skills. It's just going to take some time because when you take a year off from a, a very intense uh, and competitive position like that, I, I do think it's, it's a lot to deal with. So as he gets to settle in on one position really for the first time in his life, I think he's going to make a very quick study. He, even from Day one of practice to the game itself last night, you saw Mbakwe more comfortable making more strides 
uh, as a corner, as a cover corner. And this is obviously against a guy like Brian Williams every day and, and fellow blue chip recruits and all Americans at, at a once again loaded wide receiver position. So uh, the natural ability is there. Uh, he's bigger than I thought he, he would be, you know, having known him for three or four years. So I think physically he's there and it's just going to be a matter of that maturation once you get to Tuscaloosa. But look, we've, we've seen that become a recipe for a lot of great corners at Alabama. You know, Kool-Aid McKinstry was a three-phase guy in high school. Terry and Arnold was a two-way guy and played a lot of safety in high school before becoming this great corner. There's so much of that uh, at Alabama that you just sort of create a benefit of the doubt. But you throw in Mbakwe's natural talent and a clear mature mentality to, to be that team first guy. And I think once uh, he gets there, he'll hit the ground running. And obviously he'll be there, uh, I believe, in a couple of days. So uh, he'll be he'll be one to watch for sure, especially once he settles into that cornerback spot. Uh, no doubt about it. And I'd be remiss if I uh, didn't uh, ask you about a couple other announcements that could happen for Alabama. Uh, you know, they, they, they had 23 signees early. Uh, you know, they finished uh, with a with the top two class nationally. Georgia, uh, really the consensus number one. Uh, your thoughts on uh, on uh, the two guys? We've heard a lot of, uh, you know, buzz lately about Xavier Mincy uh, and also about Daniel Hill, the uh, all-purpose back uh, that uh, both those guys have signed already but will announce uh, at the All-American game. Uh, I know you guys have you've covered those guys extensively at Rivals. Uh, what are your thoughts uh, on Alabama's chances to add those two pieces potentially uh, to this class? Yeah, I think if you're a Crimson Tide fan, you need to watch that game on Saturday. Uh, I think that's, that's the consensus coming out of uh, my talk there in San Antonio. But even before that point, particularly with Zay Mincy, you, you heard a lot of late Alabama buzz. Nick Saban was sort of uh, comboing with, with T-Rob to personally – recruit Mincy and there was this thought that you know the sooner the better for every other school particularly the Florida Gators and the Miami Hurricanes the two in-state schools in the running so if it was going to extend a little bit further that was going to profile well for the Crimson Tide I think that's exactly what has happened in this recruitment and Mincy another one corner safety hybrid has done a little bit of both at the prep level, probably you know built a little bit more like Terry and Arnold from, from a height and weight standpoint, but wants to play corner at the next level. And every time you talk to him about Alabama, Saban comes up, that development, all the stuff we just said about Mbakwe and, and that history comes up very quickly with Mincy, and he has always approached it with a cornerback mentality. And I think that specifically has given Alabama a strong edge going into the tail end of this recruitment, but look, teammates, you know, LJ McCray signed with the Florida Gators. They're the geographical homeschool, if that makes sense for a Daytona beach kid. Uh, so it's never over officially until we get that announcement come Saturday, but there's no doubt that the Crimson Tide holds buzz. And I think with Daniel Hill, it's, it's been somewhat similar. I think early on the tide held plenty of buzz. Then we got into the season and some of the other running back types maybe took away some of that, that buzz that Hill had. Kevin Riley flipping from Miami was a huge deal, uh, top 10 running back recruit. Uh, so I think there was just maybe this, well, we'll see if, if there's a spot maybe for, for a Daniel Hill at the 11th hour. Um, everything we're told says that there is a spot for him. And despite South Carolina, Mississippi State, some of these other schools 
making a run at him that the tide is in pretty strong position. I think South Carolina's right there as well. So that one is, is maybe a little bit more touch and go. Uh, but either way, Bama's going to have pass on the table for both of these guys. And I'd be pretty shocked if, if Bama struck out. Uh, and there's a good chance they grab both of these guys come uh, Saturday afternoon. Well, that's why he's one of the best in the business. John Garcia, Jr., now of Rivals.com. John, uh, Happy New Year to you. It's great to catch up. We always appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. Let everybody know how to follow all your coverage over there at Rivals. Yeah, real simple. Rivals.com. Uh, there's a ton going on in San Antonio. We're wrapping up coverage from Orlando as well. YouTube's got a million videos if you're into that. Uh, so check it out. Rivals.com. Thank you, John. Appreciate you, sir. Likewise. Take care, boss. That's uh, John Garcia, Jr. giving us some time. We're going to go on a break here on Tide 109, and we're going to go out to the phone lines before Rodney Orr set to join us a little after 3.30. But stay with us here on the home of Crimson Tide Sports, powered by Tuscaloosa Toyota, tuscaloosatoyota.com, Tide 109. Now, this hour is West Alabama real-time news update from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. Police have arrested a Hale County man for a nearly deadly shooting and robbery at a Cottondale apartment complex last month. Investigators with the Tuscaloosa County Sheriff's Department have also arrested a man who allegedly posed as a local law enforcement leader and scammed $30,000 off an unsuspecting victim. Finally, more Alabama football players are announcing whether they will transfer, declare for the NFL draft, or stay in Tuscaloosa next season. For the details on these stories and more, get connected at TuscaloosaThread.com. Get 24-7 local news coverage and sports updates when you download the free Tuscaloosa Thread app and sign up for twice-daily email newsletters. Our equipment, if you're looking for chainsaw needs, if you're cleaning up those leaves or yard debris, you'll find the backpack blowers, the battery-operated tools, the Echo Outdoor Power Equipment, Cress Outdoor Power Equipment, the battery-operated tools by Husqvarna, and you'll also find great inventory on the zero-turn commercial and the residential mowers by both Skag and Husqvarna. Service department, do that end-of-the-season maintenance at Northport Power Equipment. It's two blocks east of the Northport Civic Center since 1996. Northport Power Equipment. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny sky this afternoon, the high today 51. Clear tonight, cold again, the low at 29. Tomorrow, increasingly cloudy. Rain moves in tomorrow night, the high 54. Saturday, rain ending early in the day, the high 55. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 51 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Follow Tide 100.9 on Facebook today to watch our live shows. Read the great articles and interact with Bama fans today. Here in Tuscaloosa on Tide 109, we thank John Garcia Jr. for joining us and giving us an Alabama football recruiting update. As he said, might want to watch that All-American game, which is formerly the Army game on Saturday. Uh, there, there's going to be two announcements with Alabama heavily involved. Daniel Hill, uh, the uh, combo back, uh, the uh, bigger running back, 235, 240-pound guy uh, from Meridian, Mississippi, who's, you know, throughout the process, Alabama was one of the favorites. His dad played at Mississippi State. Uh, certainly he visited Starkville uh, in December 
did not sign. Well, he did. Let's let's rephrase that. He did sign late, uh, you know, in the early period, excuse me, on December the 20th, uh, but didn't announce. But he visited Mississippi State. Uh, he certainly considered Florida heavily, South Carolina and Tennessee. South Carolina and Tennessee got is uh, more, uh, I think, the, the most buzz besides Alabama. Uh, but Alabama has uh, steadfastly been there. I think it's where his family wanted him to go. So we'll see if he chooses the Crimson Tide. I mean, uh, you know, a, a guy like uh, Xavier Mincy, with Alabama losing their two starting corners today to the NFL draft and Kool-Aid McKinstry had a great career at Alabama. Terry on Arnold, what a season for that redshirt sophomore. They move on, likely to be first-round picks. So Zay Mincy, could he play nickel, safety, corner? He could probably play all of them. He's a 6'1 kid with great length. But Alabama, with T-Rob leading the way, Nick Saban, of course, uh, with his ability to close. Alabama heavily in the mix for that young man as well. So Alabama fans, watch that game closely because the Tides class could go from 23 to 25 very quickly, 26 if Ryan Williams signs. And then there's QB Reese out there at Ramsey High School who's committed to Alabama. He didn't sign early, and uh, we'll see what his future holds uh, as he's a tackling machine. His father, Quentin, actually played at Auburn, uh, but he helped Ramsey uh, get back to the 5A state championship game. They won the uh, championship a year ago, uh, but we'll see. So there's some guys out there still. Alabama's very interested. And the transfer portal now with Seth McLaughlin moving on. Uh, I almost expect Alabama to sign an interior offensive lineman, potentially a center, uh, because you've still got James Brockermeyer on the roster, but he has no experience. Uh, you've got, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 Rock McKeldry. Or I, let me guess. Let me let me change that though. He's now Rock Montgomery. He's going to be a red shirt freshman. Tighterinsider.com. Uh, He's going to join us here as we come back from break here on Tide 109, the home for Alabama Crimson Tide sports. Stay with us here. Rodney Orr up next to talk some Alabama Crimson Tide football of TiderInsider.com. Tuscaloosa traffic now from the Townsend Nissan Traffic Center. The weather's been cold and the traffic isn't that much hotter. It's been a very quiet ride all around the region this morning, and that trend seems to be continuing now. If you're traveling 2059 from Foster's out to Cottondale, I-359 from the I-20 interchange up to 15th Street and McFarland Boulevard, everything's moving very well as we wind down the morning drive. With your Tuscaloosa traffic now, I'm Ray Romero. A huge part of the game is SEC Parlay Pick Day on Friday. It's made possible by Brian Harden Construction, a diverse business, crane and equipment rentals up to 320-ton cranes available the cnc machines reverse engineering laser cutting specialists in modern construction it's b experience you can count on let's build something together the website very informative it is b brian harden construction industrial contractors and fabrication i-beam installation Brian Harden Construction, every Friday made possible by Brian Harden Construction. This is TuscaloosaToyota.com, a huge part of our show. We are powered by those guys every single day. The service department, always great. The new inventory side, all those new Toyotas comes with that lifetime powertrain warranty. And right now, we have the most inventory that we've had in over two and a half years. Camrys, Corollas, RAV4s, Highlanders, Forerunners, Tundras, Tacomas, also the pre inventory most of the pre-owned inventory comes with that same lifetime powertrain warranty see all of the inventory 
TuscaloosaToyota.com and Tuscaloosa Toyota on Scotland Boulevard. The Game with Ryan Fowler, powered by Tuscaloosa Toyota, on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. We are back here on the game. It's been the final countdown for our next guest as his new book, Bigger Than Bama, is now out. And you can find that at RodneyOr.com. Uh, soon to be out on Amazon, soon to be out on your bookshelf. Uh, he was helped by the great Ray Mellick. And if you are a child of the 80s as I am, Ray Mellick was a, a stalwart uh, for many years uh, covering the University of Alabama uh, for the Birmingham News and the Birmingham Post-Herald. And I read Ray's uh, stuff many, many years and Ray's a great guy, and he helped Rodney Orr put this memoir together. And if you love Alabama football, but you also love uh, the, uh, you know, uh, just a great read, uh, you know, uh, and if you and if you believe in the good Lord and you believe in faith and and football and Alabama and and the way and the way it can in, be intertwined in your life, please check out this book, Bigger Than Bama, by uh, the the journey of Rodney Orr, who's had an amazing. Uh, journey in his life and of course covering the University of Alabama and he's been kind enough to join us as I sit in for Ryan Fowler uh, we've already caught up with him in Huntsville but always great to catch up with him in Tuscaloosa and there's a lot going on because uh, Alabama they, it seems like uh, in, the, in the last two days you have to check your phone every 30 minutes to, with this roster management coming up as this transfer portal is open through January the 6th for the Crimson Tide we're going to talk about that and more with the author of Bigger Than Bama, and that's Rodney Orr. Rodney, good morning. Or I said, well, I say good morning. I'm always on in the morning, and now I'm on in the afternoon. Good afternoon, Rodney. How are you? Yeah, you've had a busy day, Drew. I, I, I have. I've, I've even been on the phone with you in between. So we, we've been uh, chasing information all day. Uh, more, I haven't really told the listeners this, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give credit to Tony Sakalis of Tide Illustrated, part of the Rivals Network. He is reporting, Rodney, and uh, we, we'll, we'll see if this comes to confirmation. Tony does a great job. He's joined uh, my show in Huntsville many times as well. But that Roy Dell Williams is very likely to return to this roster and uh, use his final season of eligibility. We have not heard about Jason McClellan yet. We certainly have had many NFL declarations today. Uh, we already talked about it on the show. Justin Aboigby, Terry Ann Arnold, uh, you know, Kool-Aid McKinstry. Ju- uh, and then uh, I know Chris Braswell has officially declared. We know Dallas Turner is not going to return. J.C. Latham. So a lot of guys moving on to the NFL and a lot uh, going on in the transfer portal as well for Alabama, Rodney. Yeah, I mean, you know, we knew it was going to be like this, right? I mean, uh, it, it, this is I think this is the, the, the new way it is. I mean, uh, you know, Drew, I was thinking about this, too. I was looking the other day. At, at, I don't know if you've seen the list of players that Georgia lost before their game with FSU in the Orange Bowl. Oh, yeah. But it was a legitimate top five recruiting class, maybe top two recruiting class that they lost. They lost five five stars, I think it is. Uh, they lost like 12 or 14 three, uh, four stars and a few three stars. I mean, it's just amazing 
you know, what's happening right now with these players, you know, hitting the portal. Some of these guys only in your program a year, and they're 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 hitting the uh, portal. The things that are going on with NIL. Let's be honest, the recruiting that's going on behind the scenes. I said four or five years ago when we saw this coming that these coaching staff, they were going to have to have a retention staff to try to hold on to players that they want to keep. So with all that said, it's been a crazy time. It's, you know, yesterday, today, it's been pretty much nonstop. We've, you know, I've got to update my list there at tighterinsider.com. I just simply have not had time to do it yet. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to look like a totally different roster in a lot of ways next year. It really will. And I guess one of the bigger surprises, though, um, you know, you keep your ear to the ground uh, better than anyone. And you've been around since 1996, just about, uh, you, you know, the longest running when it comes to you know, full time coverage of the University of Alabama. One of the bigger, you know, uh, surprises, unless you've really had your ear to the ground uh, like you do. And uh, and is Ty Simpson returning to this roster? I know a lot of people thought, you know, myself, I thought going into the season he would win this job. He did not. So the ultimately what you start believing when Milrow breaks out is that, you know, by season's end, he'll move on. It's funny how some uh, these quarterback battles uh, play out. Quarterback is probably the most transient position. We have seen Eli Holstein move on, Rodney. But as of right now, it looks like Ty Simpson will return. Yeah, I mean, uh, actually, uh, you know, had a uh, confirmation last night that, you know, uh, he's, he is coming back and plans to come back and, you know, I don't. A lot of people ask, "Well, what does that mean?" I, again, I, I don't, no promises have been made. That's for sure. That's not the way Nick Saban does it. But I do think there's a understanding that you know, there's a competition. There's going to be competition allowed, even though you've got a returning starter at quarterback in Jalen Milrow. And again, I'm not predicting there's going to be any change at quarterback next year. I'd be surprised as we're sitting here talking right now today uh, if there was a change, at least at the beginning of the year. I mean, I, I don't have any, you know, reservations about saying that. Uh, but I do think that uh, there, there's a reason why Ty Simpson came back, or reasons why. And I think part of it, this is really where he wants to be. But I also think that he feels like he made a lot of progress this past year, and he's going to have an opportunity to compete for the job. Yeah, and he does. And then they have two outstanding young talents. I mean, we saw a little bit of and heard a lot of buzz about Dylan Lonergan, who ended up redshirting Rodney and may very well be a part of the Alabama baseball program uh, under Rob Vaughn uh, as an outstanding right-handed pitcher. Uh, but then also you have Julian Sand. He was already uh, creating some buzz in the bowl practices that he participated in. So uh, the departure of Eli Holstein didn't come as a surprise either because really right now Alabama has four quarterbacks on scholarship. And in this era right now in the transfer portal and NIL, that's pretty good. I tell you, it's it's amazing uh, that they'll go intact. It appears into spring practice. Honestly, basically, I mean, Holstein left as you mentioned, which it was no surprise at all. But other than him, I mean, you've got your top four quarterbacks. Uh, you know, obviously, with Milrose return, Ty Simpson, uh, Dylan Lonergan, who there's a lot of chatter about his ability. You know, maybe he's the most talented guy on the roster, and then. You know, you got Julian Sain coming in, who was the number one high school quarterback in the country. Some people had him the number one player. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing right now, the quarterback room that they're going to have, you know, headed into spring practice. It, when you look at the era that we're in with the portal, you know, so 
it'll be interesting to see. And don't forget now, and a lot of people may not know this or may not recall, but there is another portal window that will open in, in late spring. So there'll be a chance for whether it's a quarterback or another position player uh, to, to hit the portal, uh, you know, again. So uh, this thing is, uh, you know, it's a really it, – it, it's <laughs> – it's crazy to follow, and we really won't know for sure what the roster is going to look like until after spring practice. Well, and Rodney, I, I, the next natural question is your thoughts on the departure of uh, multi-year starter Seth McLaughlin, 25 starts, a guy that played a lot of football for Alabama. I know he had some issues with snaps this year, but he still was the best player at his position I've tried to reiterate that point, especially due to the transfer portal when all of your experience depth transfers. Uh, but your thoughts on the departure of Seth McLaughlin and and what Alabama may do to counter it? You know, that's a great question. Um, you know, first of all, I think Seth had some really good games here. He really did. And uh, I know this year was kind of a uh, – I don't know how to put it into words other than he struggled all year with the snaps. I mean – you know, getting those snaps on target. It started with the first game. Someone pointed out to me, and I, you know, I remembered once it was pointed out to me that the, I think the first touchdown Alabama scored this year was yeah, on true. a bad snap. <laughs> and it was it was pretty amazing. So you start with a bad snap and you end with a bad snap. But no, nah, you know, really, I, I, Seth McLaughlin is a. I think he's a really good kid. He seems like to be, and uh, yeah, I, I hope he does extremely well wherever he goes and has a ton of success and. I thought he put out a you know classy note to the fans and to the you know Alabama nation that uh, you know just how he felt about this place. So you know, I wish him really well. And as far as what's going to happen moving forward, I'm not really sure. You know, there had been some speculation that maybe um, T.J. Ferguson, Terrence Ferguson, would be the next guy would get a great shot at that center spot, and then he's hit the portal as well. So uh, you know, I don't know what direction they're going to go. I mean, obviously James Brockemeyer's back. Uh, you know, they may be working one of the young guys there, too. They do cross-train a lot. I know you've got Casey Poe, who is here, a true freshman, that some people have speculated might get a shot at center. Uh, that may that'd probably be a little bit pushing it for a true freshman, I think. But uh, it's going to be interesting. And, look, Alabama could go to the portal. I mean, it, that, that could happen as well. So I, I, right now, Drew, I, I guess the only way to answer your question is that we, we'll just have to let it play out. And the interesting part, though, is – uh, you would think that if they were going to go to the portal, they would like to get the new guy in to go through spring practice and, and get extensive work with Jalen right. Morrow and the rest of the quarterbacks, though, wouldn't you, Rodney? I would think so. Yeah, I would. You know, I think that's ideal. I mean, uh, you know, uh, and then they, they came up with Ty Simpson, too, because some people said, well, you know, that, that new window, the next window that comes open in, after spring, he could jump in that. And really, if you're, especially I think if you're a quarterback, you want to get in that program if you're going to transfer wherever you're going. You want to get in there, go through spring practice, get that under your belt. Kind of saw it with Tyler Buck a little bit, you know, the difficulty it is to come into a program in June and start trying to start competing for a job with other guys. So it can be really difficult. And, uh, but yeah, you would, you would hope that maybe if there's a guy at center they're looking at that they could get him in and, uh, maybe this spring. So we'll see. But you never know. I mean, one of the greatest transfers they ever had was Landon Dickerson from Florida State. And when he came in, he was thought to be a guard. He maybe even a tackle, right. and he ended up being a great sure. center. So you never know. Uh, now, Rodney, any other surprises for you mildly or 
uh, or uh, that raised your eyebrows that uh, left via the portal? Well, I mean, I, I hate that Earl Little is apparently, you know, I understand he's visiting Florida State, and isn't Pat Sertain down there now, his yes. former high school coach? Correct. That, that, that doesn't look – I know there was some hope that maybe he might return, maybe he might reconsider. I mean, if that's the case, he's visiting down there at FSU and Pat Sertain's there. That might make it difficult to me. I mean, it just kind of seems like the handwriting on the wall, and I may be wrong. Who knows? But I hate that he would leave. Uh, I think he's a really talented guy. He was injured this year. I think he had a bad shoulder for a while. And uh, I really liked him. I thought before the season he had a chance to push for a lot of playing time. And, uh, you know, it just didn't work out. And most of that, I think, was due to the injury. But uh, this is the way it is now, Drew. And, and people get all worked up over recruiting still. They, get a, they, they read these recruiting articles that are hyped up and all this and I, I try to warn people, I said, you know, now the, the thing has changed. This is a year-to-year deal. I mean, it's not like you sign guys and, you know, you used to sign them and you say, oh, this guy's going to be here for the next four or five years or whatever, three, four, five years. Just not like that anymore. These are year-to-year deals. You're going to have people jumping on you constantly. And it may get worse before it gets any better. So, I mean, it's just where we are right now. And you would hope that somehow they would do something – uh, to kind of get some boundaries to all of this stuff, because I, I really don't know how coaches. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know how they deal with it. I mean, it's just. It's. It's. When I tell you it's out of control, it's out of control. Yeah, it really is. And we're talking to Rodney Orr, TiderInsider.com. Also, as we said, his new book, Bigger Than Bama. Please check that out at RodneyOrr.com. Uh, as we consider, we continue. Excuse me, the conversation talking Alabama football, and now Rodney. This is inevitable. It's like death taxes, and every year uh, we're going to see changes on this coaching staff. We've seen Holman Wiggins, uh, who had the longest tenure of any Alabama assistant. He's now gone uh, to work uh, at Texas A&M for Mike Elko. Uh, We've seen Coleman Hutzler leave for the defensive coordinator's job at Mississippi State. So at least two openings for this coaching staff at Alabama. George Hilo has been brought in. As of right now, he's an off-the-field guy. But, Rodney, your thoughts right now on where this Alabama coaching staff is? No, I mean, I think that uh, it's gonna, going to be interesting to see if Hilo is going to be plugged into that uh, spot left by Hutzler uh, mm-hmm. at outside linebackers. I don't know. You know, I've heard a lot of chatter, too, and nothing that I would consider, you know, uh, but it, it's certainly speculation. Um you know, about possibly, you know, making some, maybe moving some guys around if you could get the right guys and maybe, maybe moving a guy to outside linebackers because maybe a Freddie Roach if you could get a Bo Davis. Now, that's just speculation. I'm, I don't think that's probably something that's likely right now. Uh, you know, I do think Bo Davis is the best defensive line coach in America. You know, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. If you could get him back, I, you know, maybe that would be something that would be a consideration. Again, I don't know that. Uh, but but my guess is Drew that maybe Helo's the guy at outside backers, and then you uh, you have to find a good wide receivers coach. And I think you know, I've heard a couple of names. You've heard a couple of names. I know Emmett Jones at Oklahoma. I don't know again if he's going to be a guy who get legitimate uh, in consideration. But I, I know he's comes extremely highly thought of. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And then also the the guy at LSU. What's his name? Hankton. Carlton Hankton, I think, Drew. Cortez Hankton, uh, yeah. Cortez Hankton, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think he's, you know, he's got a really good reputation as well. So, 
uh, those are names that have been thrown out there. And again, I, I have no idea which direction that's going right now. Yeah, no doubt. It'll be interesting to see uh, what happens uh, it, it, with uh, this coaching staff going forward and if there's any more moves because uh, you kind of knew that if there was, it was going to happen after the playoff run, uh, no doubt about it. And and Rodney, uh, as we said, it's going to be a very interesting offseason. Uh, and then Alabama trying to reference it in our conversation. But as I was telling, as we're wrapping it up here, though, one of the biggest things now, it's, it, you just you mentioned the recruiting, and it's a year-to-year deal. But one of the biggest things for these coaching staffs is retaining your own roster, even more so than adding to it from the portal. Uh, retaining your own roster, yeah, right. It's it's uh, it's it's a very difficult task. I mean, let's just be honest about it, Drew. There's no reason not to be, because there's a lot of recruiting that's going on, and you could see it a mile away, four years ago, five years ago, when this first started that, you know, the way these kids are recruited, I'm talking about coming out of high school, that they establish all these different relationships, and these coaches in the contacts that they have, uh, they stay in contact. They're going to continue to recruit this player. If, hey, if you're not playing, you know, we, we, we want you, whatever. Uh, you know, I've heard cases where players are walking off the field after the game and an opposing coach comes up and says, hey, you know what, we'd like to talk after the season. Uh, that, that, that I've heard those stories that's happening. So I just think it's really difficult in terms of managing your roster, retaining, you know, your players. Uh, it, it's just getting more and more difficult. I, I just wonder when they're going to put some boundaries on some of this stuff. Well, I will say this, I, as we wrap it up, I did want you to, to once again, let the listeners know about, uh, bigger than Bama. I know a good mutual friend of ours just finished your book, uh, yesterday, uh, he really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, he read it over a two-day period. Uh, I've been reading a lot of positive reviews on TiderInsider.com. I know this was a 18-month process that took up so much of your time, and and it's already a full-time job covering the University of Alabama. But this is something you poured a lot of time and effort and and uh, you know mm-hmm. blood, sweat, and tears into, Rodney. And uh, just let everybody know about bigger than Bama. Yeah, um, and I appreciate that, Drew. Uh, yeah, it's a, and, and I think probably a lot of the listeners have heard, you know, the book that uh, I started back in June of 2022. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's out. Well, we put out some advanced copies for the holidays, and they actually sold double what the projections were, which is really good. And uh, you have we have had some we're, – we're thankful that we've had some outstanding reviews to this point and i know they're shipping out a lot of orders tomorrow i spoke to the publisher today but bigger than bama it's really drew it's about how uh you know we moved from mobile alabama to corpus christi texas in 1966 i had no idea we were from alabama i was only five years old and (laughs) until we got to texas and and the the things that happened there and the things that they uh, said to us about being from alabama but uh, my older brother told me about started telling me about Alabama football at that time, and it kind of created an identity in me and an obsession with Alabama football that, believe it or not, carried me to exactly where I am right now. I mean, that just shows you the power of words. When I was five years old, my brother plants his seed about Alabama football, and it, it, it set the course for my future. But how it also you know, created this 
like I said, an obsession with Alabama football, but also to attend the University of Alabama and then later cover the University of Alabama and how my business, Tider Insider, came into being against all odds, you know, living in Corpus Christi, Texas, starting it in a small room, and then all of a sudden it flourishes to the point where I can move my wife and four kids a thousand miles across the country to take it on full time. And you know what, Drew? In the process of all of these things and all of my dreams coming true and thinking that I've got it made, I lost contact with my family. You know, I lost contact with my wife. I, I, I made a lot of mistakes as a husband. I made a lot of mistakes as a, uh, a father, you know, and uh, in that process, I would have never dreamed that my wife, who is the greatest person I've ever met, you know, the most loyal, faithful, and honest Christian woman, you know, I've had in my life, uh, aside from my mother, along with my mother, but... Drew, I would have never dreamed that she would have become addicted to prescription drugs. And it was a six or seven year addiction. I, I go through all of that, you know, and talk about the mistakes that I made, the things that happened and, and the things that as men that we kind of overlook sometimes that we take for granted the mistakes that I made. So that's really my passion right now is to talk to people about number one is, uh, you know, the things, the mistakes that we made and the appreciation that we need to have for those in our family and our wives, our children, what what have you. Those types of things that I point out in the book. And, um, you know, so right now, like I said, and you mentioned, uh, the, the, the reviews have been really, really good. And, and we hope that it continues to, you know, uh, speak to people. Yeah, we really do. And well, Rodney, we appreciate it. Thank you for coming on and giving us some thoughts. And uh, we know as soon as you get off here, you'll have to check your phone. I'm going to have to check mine, too. Uh, but we know this is an ongoing <laughs> process with this uh, Alabama football program. But uh, bigger than Bama, please check it out, everybody. And we always appreciate catching up with Rodney Orr of TiderInsider.com. Thank you, sir. Have a great rest of your day. Appreciate it, Drew. Take care. That's Rodney Orr. We're going to go on a break here, getting ready to wrap up two quick hours of the game on this Thursday on Tide 109, powered by Tuscaloosa Toyota, TuscaloosaToyota.com. Tuscaloosa traffic now from the Townsend Nissan Traffic Center. The weather's been cold and the traffic isn't that much hotter. It's been a very quiet ride all around the region this morning, and that trend seems to be continuing now. If you're traveling 2059 from Foster's out to Cottondale, I-359 from the I-20 interchange up to 15th Street and McFarland Boulevard, everything's moving very well as we wind down the morning drive. With your Tuscaloosa traffic now, I'm Ray Romero. You know, we talk about grilling so often. If you want to dominate the grill today or any day, go visit our friends at Mark's Mark in downtown Northport. I walk in there all the time. There's new things added, whether you're trying to amp up the spice cabinet or whether you're going in for a great ribeye, a salmon swirl, a chicken swirl, which is that's what they're home of since 1978. The seafood entrees, the great cheesecake, the great pies that are made here locally in Alabama, the Blue Spring Living Water. You'll find it at Mark's Mark in downtown Northport under that Roll Tide Bridge. Go see the friendly folks at Mark's Mark downtown Northport under that Roll Tide Bridge. Alabama Credit Union, feel good about your money. AlabamaCU.com, the mobile app makes banking so much more convenient. All the mobile deposits, many times you don't even have to go into the bank to manage your money, whether we're talking about checking, savings, mortgage, home equity loan, financing a vehicle. And remember, Roll Tide, show your pride with the official credit card of the University of Alabama Alumni Association, AlabamaCU.com. Alabama Credit Union with great branches all over West Alabama and throughout the state of Alabama. Alabama Credit Union. 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny sky this afternoon, the high today 51. Clear tonight, cold again, the low at 29. Tomorrow, increasingly cloudy. Rain moves in tomorrow night, the high 54. Saturday, rain ending early in the day, the high 55. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Winter Center on Tide 100.9. It's 51 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Find Tide on Twitter at Tide 109 to keep up with show announcements, guests, and our reporters in the field. Come back to wrap up hour two here on the game on this Thursday in Tuscaloosa. I'm Drew DeArmond in for Ryan Fowler, uh, and uh, we are wrapping it up here. We thank Rodney Orr of TiderInsider.com and also John Garcia Jr. of Rivals.com of joining us. We talked some Alabama football recruiting with John, and then, of course, with Rodney Orr, the latest in the transfer portal, the comings, the goings, the, the players staying, the Malachi Moore staying, it looks like, Roy Dell Williams staying for a fifth season uh, at the University of Alabama, Tim Smith, Looks like he's going to be staying. So uh, for there are there have been some losses to this roster to the NFL as expected, and of course into the transfer portal. But there have been guys staying as well. So uh, Ty Simpson, we just talked about that uh, with uh, Rodney Orr of TiderInsider.com, uh, and uh, so it's going to be a very interesting time, uh, no doubt about it, uh, with Ty Simpson staying, competing with Jalen Milrow, uh, who entrenched himself as the starter. But we're going to talk about. Uh, the national championship game next and what he thought about the college football playoff semifinals with one of the best in the business brad powers live from las vegas nevada uh, he's one of the best uh, odds makers in the in, in uh, football in sports in general and uh, it'll be interesting i've heard brad many times on this show and on shows throughout the united states where he is a weekly guest it'll be great to catch up with brad and he's going to join us uh, going into this third hour of the game here live on Tide 109, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports, powered by Tuscaloosa Toyota, TuscaloosaToyota.com. And after Brad Powers, we'll take your calls, 205-342-9904. Stay with us. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles, here's Dan Byer. Miami Dolphins have a huge game against the Buffalo Bills coming up on Sunday night. Dolphins wide receiver Tyreek Hill didn't practice today because of personal reasons. Hill, tending to the matters with his home that caught a blaze yesterday. Officials in South Florida tell the Associated Press that the fire has been ruled accidental as they believe a child started the fire by playing with a lighter in a bedroom. No practice today for Dolphins running back Raheem Mostert, wide receiver Jalen Waddell, or for cornerback Xavier Howard. As for Bills quarterback Josh Allen, he practiced fully despite a neck injury. The Steelers are listing safety Minka Fitzpatrick as questionable for Saturday's game in Baltimore. The Brooklyn Nets are the first team in the NBA to be fined for violating the 
the new load management rules, docked $100,000 for sending four rotational players in a game last week against the Bucks. Bucks forward Giannis Antetokounmpo leads all players in the NBA in fan voting for the first returns of next month's All-Star game. Rumsey Environmental, serving the sound of my voice with waste removal services, portable toilet services, construction debris removal containers customized to fit your job site. Maybe it's remodeling. Maybe it's the storage containers. We did this about a year ago, moved all of our furniture into a storage container, brought out the construction debris removal containers. They customized to fit your job site. When you talk about when you have to know it's being done right, that's the time to call Rumsey Environmental, 205-248-0002, 205-248-0002. Rumsey Environmental, a one-stop shop serving West Alabama for all of your waste removal needs. Live on Title 109 on this Thursday in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I'm Drew Arm and in for Ryan Fowler. Get well, my friend. Get well for Ryan. Uh, but uh, he's allowed me to, you know, the, take the keys to the car and uh, and and talk to the best fans in the country. And I I always enjoy, you know, I've been in this business now nearly 10 years. And Ryan gave me an opportunity. We started working together when I before I was even in the radio business full time. And then he gave me an opportunity. Uh, to be on his show once I got into this business and then trusted me to host his show many times over the years. And I always enjoy it, always enjoy reacting and uh, interacting with the Tide Nation. And uh, and I always enjoy adding to, uh, you know, the repertoire. And I, I've heard this gentleman many, many times on many shows throughout the southeastern United States uh, in, and including this one. Uh, it's my first time getting to speak with him myself, but he's one of the best odds makers in the business uh, he's a, a, a huge uh, impact guy in the city of Las Vegas, Nevada. You can find him at bradpowersports.com, uh, the Hammer HQ, and at Covers, both on X and Bet the Board Pod as well, his daily podcast. And that is uh, the uh, Brad Powers, and he's been kind enough to join us. And we're going to talk some college football in the National Championship game and get his thoughts on the college football playoff and we're going to speak with him right now. Brad, I hope you had a happy new year. Merry Christmas to you, sir. I'm Drudy Armin. Welcome to the game. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me as always. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. I mean, what were your immediate thoughts on the results we saw on Monday in the college football playoff? Uh, were you surprised at all? Uh, you know, I know you're, you're usually on top of these things when it comes to the, the betting. And I was when people asked me when the when the games, when the matchups were set right away, I was wrong. I, I thought Alabama was going to be a four, four-and-a-half-point favorite. They, Michigan was always favored. The odds makers were right. Uh, they ended up being about a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I think I saw it by kickoff. And then I had Texas at about four. They were a favorite. They didn't win the game. But uh, what were your thoughts on the matchups? Yeah, I mean, I was a little bit surprised with the results. Because, uh, quite honestly, I bet Texas and Alabama, nothing, you know, nothing that I thought was, you know, play of the year material that's just never going to be the case when it comes to when you get down to the final games as far as value but uh, I'll start with the Alabama Michigan game as far as the Rose Bowl I mean certainly I wasn't surprised that Alabama struggled on the offensive line he's been paying attention to the Crimson side all year but I mean that has been a weakness now you thought they made some strides down the stretch of the regular season Georgia exposed a little bit but still to the extent uh, that Alabama was still able to win that game outright as an underdog so I 
I, I didn't think it was going to be as, as big of an issue as it was. Uh, Michigan controlled the line of scrimmage, at least in that first half, considerably. Uh, I thought, the, the, you know, the, the, the most surprising thing to me in either game was, once again, Alabama outcoached, uh, I, I thought, for good part, portions of that game. I just, considering what Saban had done with extra time to prep as far as bowl games and semifinals for his previous eight, considering how poor Harbaugh was in bowl games prior to that, uh, I was a little surprised, uh, you know, how ready Michigan looked to be and how ill-prepared, I mean, Alabama was. I mean, there was confusion on defense. Uh, but obviously, you know, offensive line couldn't figure things out as far as the pressure. And then as far as the Texas-Washington game goes, obviously, when, when Michael Penix is on and healthy and the wide receiver core is healthy, I mean, it's it's, it's really tough to beat. Uh, I thought Texas would control line of scrimmage a little bit better. It just never happened. I did, too. I, I totally agree. I had picked Alabama and Texas because I thought Alabama was the more talented team after they beat Georgia. And then I thought, like you, I, I thought offensive and defensive line-wise uh, that uh, Texas would uh, would be able to uh, make enough plays and would control the game against uh, Washington. But Washington's offensive line won the Joe Moore Award. Obviously, Penix and those receivers are big time. And I guess something has to be said. You followed the – and you've uh, – with your odds making and everything. Washington knows how to win, though. I mean, they've won, what, is it 11 straight games by one score or less? Uh, they really uh, – and they've won 21 in a row under Kalen DeBoer. Yeah, I mean, you got to give them – tip your cap to them. Although, I mean, I, I'm in the business of always regression, regression, regression. Uh, I mean, uh, right. when you can continue to play games like that, I mean, all you got to do is change one play or two. Uh, and, and we're not talking about the Washington Huskies here in early January. So, uh, kind of tough. They're, they're kind, they've been in kind of an enigma, kind of like what TCU was last year where, I mean, you got to tip your cap to them. They're playing for the national championship, but – uh, I'm not sure really how good they are now. Are they going to get beat by 50 points like uh, TCU did last year? No. I mean, uh, they're much better in that regard than TCU. But I, I still think this team, uh, I mean, there was a reason why just two games ago, this was a 9.5, 10-point underdog. I'm talking Washington against Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. And the reason was, I mean, I, I'm not sure. I know a lot of people don't watch West Coast football, but this was a Washington team that probably should have lost a bad Arizona State team. Could have lost a bad Stanford team. Outgamed by Washington State, didn't go to a bowl game. Outgamed by Oregon State. They did not play well for six straight weeks. Now, you could say, okay, Penix might not have been healthy. McMillan, one of their key wide receivers, certainly wasn't healthy. wasn't out there for a majority of those games. But my, my goodness, uh, they're, they're, they've certainly turned it on the last two games. But uh, if you're asking me uh, what I trust most uh, as far as the upcoming national championship game, I just think Michigan's style of play up front, what I'm accustomed to, whether it's my grandfather's day and age in football, my dad's or mine or my kids, uh, football is still a line of scrimmage sport. And I think, I think Michigan has the edge on both sides of the ball in that regard. And so, and time of possession will be huge if they can keep it away from Penix and, and then JJ McCarthy, He's not the flashiest guy, but he's lost one game in his career. That was that game to TCU. And it's like you, you just previously mentioned, in that TCU game, Michigan made a lot of mistakes, just like Alabama did, that ended up ultimately costing them the Rose Bowl. The same thing happened to Michigan last year. They were probably the better team, but their self-inflicted wounds came back to haunt them against TCU. So 
Certainly. I mean, McCarthy, he threw a couple pick sixes in that game, uh, you know, and even at the start of the game, they, they got cute at the goal line and, uh, you know, they, they, they got stopped there. I will say, as far as the Alabama-Michigan game, I mean, obviously Alabama, you'd think they'd win when they're up seven with, with five minutes left, but I, you know, coming away from that one, I, I didn't, you know, even though I bet Alabama, I was hoping they'd win. I, I lost some money in the bankroll as far as them not winning. I, I'm not sitting here thinking, oh, Alabama clearly was the right side. I really should have won that bet. Because, I mean, let's face it, I mean, Michigan had several breakdowns. And then we're not talking offense, defense, special teams that really kept Alabama in the game in the first half. And so, and now uh, to, to reiterate, uh, with uh, Michigan being the favorite in this game, are you going, uh, do, you, do, you, do you lay the points here? Are you going to, uh, and pick Michigan uh, to, to cover? Or, you, or do you think that Washington can take this game into the fourth quarter and have a chance to win at the end? Uh, I have bet Michigan minus the points. Uh, right now, though, I'm starting to, you know, you got to read the tea leaves in the market. I mean, I know people, a lot of people don't care uh, as far as price. They're not price sensitive. I'm telling you, it matters. Uh, I mean, they, they bet uh, the big difference between pros and Joes. I mean, pros care about price. Uh, uh, right. Joes, you know, they bet teams. They don't bet spreads. They don't bet numbers. Uh, they, they just, you know, uh, give me that team. I don't care what the point spread is. Washington's going to beat Michigan. Uh, just give me Washington money line. Speaking of the money line, uh, this is a little in the weeds. But typically in championship game scenarios, whether it's the national championship, whether it's the Super Bowl, you get a lot more recreational betters. And what they want to do, recreational bettors, is bet a little to win a lot. Easiest way to do that is to bet the underdog on the money line to win the game outright. So a lot of times, if you do like the favorite, you get a little bit of a discount as far as betting the favorite on the money line. I expect that to be the case come Monday. Uh, and when that Washington money comes in, I, I'm going to re, even though I've already bet Michigan minus three and a half, I'm going to go right back in and bet Michigan on the money line. So I'll probably have quite a bit, uh, depending on the Wolverines winning the national championship. And you've been in this business a long time. You've established yourself. The transfer portal is interesting. And, I, and I, I've listened to you on many shows. And you, and you during uh, this, the uh, build-up to a college football season, you, you talk about your power ratings a lot. How has it changed the way you evaluate a team and you decide – uh, you know, how, uh, the over-under on wins and, and how you think a team kind of matches up with the transfer portal and NIL and everything that's changed the sport so dramatically in the last two to three years. How has that changed your business, so to speak? It's a good question. Uh, more time, uh, more legwork, because uh, I do have my own stuff. I don't rely on other people to tell me about this guy, this player, and that. I mean, it's just when rosters used to turn over maybe 25%, and now it's you know, more than 40%, in some cases even more than that. It just requires more time, more man hours. So, you know, how has my business changed the most? I mean, a lot of times uh, if you were talking to me in years past, I'd be starting to navigate myself and starting to devote a lot of my time to college hoops right now as far as betting that. I'm not doing that anymore. I just focus on football year-round. Uh, I don't even bother with college basketball because I, I just don't have time. To, that, that really takes a significant amount of time away from the college football prep. And another thing, again, this is in the weeds, but the college football market opens up. I am a guy that likes to bet win totals. I am a guy that likes to bet the Heisman. Used to be, way back in the day, 
you, you know, when could you bet that stuff? I don't know, 4th of July, you could bet that stuff. Then it was Memorial Day weekend. Now, in some instances, you can bet this stuff in February and March. So if you want to take advantage of some of that early lines, you got to be prepped. So uh, it means uh, goodbye, March Madness. I'm still working on football. Well, football does power the country when it comes to this. And, of course, uh, betting has become legalized in so many places. So uh, your business certainly is flourishing, no doubt about that. And I wanted you to have to, to let people know how they can connect with you and connect, and, uh, and get your service and uh, and get your plays that uh, uh, that uh, I know uh, you, you do weekly hits on this show. You do weekly hits on shows throughout the United States. But let people know how to connect with you and, of course, uh, keep up with your work year-round. Yeah, I think the easiest way is just follow me on Twitter, Brad Power 7 uh, on Twitter and X. Uh, and if you like what you see, you can head on over to the website, bradpowersports.com. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Hey, appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. That's Brad Powers joining us and talking a little bit of wagering here. We're going to go on a break here on uh, Tide 109, the home of uh, Crim- Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. And uh, we are going to take your calls for the rest of this hour, 205-342-9904, here on The Game in Tuscaloosa. Now, this hour's West Alabama real-time news update from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. Police have arrested a Hale County man for a nearly deadly shooting and robbery at a Cottondale apartment complex last month. Investigators with the Tuscaloosa County Sheriff's Department have also arrested a man who allegedly posed as a local law enforcement leader and scammed $30,000 off an unsuspecting victim. Finally, more Alabama football players are announcing whether they will transfer, declare for the NFL draft, or stay in Tuscaloosa next season. For the details on these stories and more, get connected at TuscaloosaThread.com. Get 24-7 local news coverage and sports updates when you download the free Tuscaloosa Thread app and sign up for twice-daily email newsletters. Tuscaloosa traffic, now from the Townsend Nissan Traffic Center. So as we make our way Skyland Boulevard near McFarland Boulevard, watch out for an accident right there at Andrew Street. Also, making our way 2059 going eastbound after Foster's. Well, look out. We have long-term road construction right there at Holly Springs Lane. I'll keep you up to date with the latest. With your Tuscaloosa traffic now, I'm Jones. This is a lot of CPA, 527 Main Avenue in downtown Northport. Small business and personal income taxes, payroll, sales tax needs. They can also help you with nonprofit or church accounting or auditing in business since 1999. They work for you, not the IRS. When you take on taxes, you got to have someone on your side. It's Don Wattis CPA, 205-345-5595, 205-345-5595, Don a CPA, the official accountant of the game. Town House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard. Eat Southern, be Southern. All the biscuit sandwiches, the great Southern cuisine like the bacon wrap, meatloaf, the fish and taters. All the great sandwiches like the Yardbird, the great salads, the daily lunch and dinner specials Monday through Saturday at Southern Owl House. We've also opened up an additional part of Southern Owl House and expanded with our catering needs there to fulfill what you're looking for. 205-248-7500. Ask for Taylor. 205-248-7500. Catering from a small party to a large corporate event. Southern Owl House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard. 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny sky this afternoon, the high today 51. Clear tonight, cold again, the low at 29. Tomorrow, increasingly cloudy. Rain moves in tomorrow night, the high 54. Saturday, rain ending early in the day, the high 55. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 50 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're inside the game on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. As we want to thank Brad Power. his thoughts on the national championship game he likes michigan he's going to bet michigan on the money line he's already put money down on the wolverines to win the national championship which would make jim harbaugh king of the world in ann arbor no doubt about it if he delivers their first national championship since the shared one in 1997 with tom osborne and nebraska of course charles woodson won the heisman trophy that year it would be washington's first since 1991 uh and they split it as well they split the national championship that season in 91 so uh you know that will be it'll be a very very interesting time to see if washington or michigan can climb the ladder yet again uh in college football but both those teams split national championships i believe uh washington split it with miami uh but so we're gonna we're gonna find out uh who's gonna win it all who's gonna go 15 and 0 on monday night in houston is it gonna be jim harbaugh's michigan wolverines or can the Washington Huskies, and I don't think a lot of people had Washington uh, being a playoff contender, but I don't think many had them winning at all. If Michael Penix, uh, you know, he, he's kind of playing with a bench young chip on his shoulder because Vince uh, led his team to the 2005 national championship over that the USC squad that many considered the greatest team ever. And SC had the final two, the last two Heisman Trophy winners in Matt Leinart, and then that year Reggie Bush. Uh, Vince Young finished third. He was, you know, kind of bitter about that. He went out and proved it uh, and proved it really honestly. He was probably the best player in the country that year. At least he was that night on the field. And it was one of the epic games we've ever seen. And Texas wins in the closing seconds against USC. And we'll see if Michael Penix can lead Washington uh, and Kalen DeBoer to a national title. Kalen DeBoer already with three NAIA championships, but he could win one on the national stage now. But we're going to go out to the a hotline now, and Tommy from Romulus has been waiting patiently to talk some Alabama football with us on this Thursday. Tommy, welcome to the show. Hey, Drew. How are you today? Good, sir. How are you? What's on your mind? Well, I'm looking forward to see what kind of team we're going to have in the fall and all that, and uh, see who's like, and I'll uh, just see how things go. I mean, we'll get some players. But it looked like now you're going to have to recruit more freshmen because I have a staff member. His job is to keep up with all the football players on the team. You know, how they feeling? Are they happy? Or, you know, what's that problem? Because like you said, I've heard the same story by other people saying that after a ball game, coaches said, if you're not happy at Alabama, we sure would love to have you. I mean, yeah, yeah no to doubt. me. To yeah. me, I call that tampering, but you know I'm old school, so I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm wanting people to get out of my front yard. I'm old and decrepit and mean, but I call that tampering in my day. I don't disagree. I think there is a lot of tampering going on. 
I think it needs to be cleaned up in college football, uh, no question. Uh, but I will say this, I, the adaptability is something that Nick Saban's never been given enough credit for. Um, people always want to talk about him, you know, reaching the end and retiring, but I always think he's such a self-motivated person and he's, he always likes to be a problem solver and he likes to prove that he can keep his program on top and that he can solve these issues. And one of his best traits that he's not given credit for, I think is communication and, uh, being able to communicate and, uh, and, and, uh, and I, I just think earn the respect of players. Uh, you know, everybody talks about his business like approach, but he is also a guy that players truly respect. Uh, he knows how to he knows how to uh, recruit, and uh, he's always been one of the best recruiters ever. And, and, and he's he's very rare because he can evaluate and recruit. He knows how to connect with parents. He knows how to connect with players. Because if he didn't, uh, with this transfer portal the way it is, and with roster management the way uh, it, with NIL and all the player movement, then you know he would have a mass exodus. He doesn't. Uh, he does a great job with his team. I thought he did a great job coaching this team. Certainly, Alabama fans are frustrated because they didn't get to the national championship game. They didn't get a chance to win a title. But you don't win a title every year. But I still think this team should be very fondly remembered. Uh, there was a lot of people uh, by uh, after the South Florida game that thought this team had no shot at beating Georgia or uh, climbing the mountain and going undefeated in SEC play. They did. And now Nick Saban has the new challenge of the expanded playoff next year uh, and trying to get his team to to maybe play a 16-17 game schedule. Uh, and, and coming up in week three, the potential to, uh, to, to do something that I don't know that any Alabama fan, including myself, including you, anyone could have fathomed him being in his 18th season and having a chance to win 300 games like the great Paul William Bryant, Coach Bear Bryant, that uh, was at Alabama for so many years from 1958 through 1982. So it, that that next year will be very special in many ways because the, the mantra has always been, well, you're, they're not going to see coaches stay at a place this long anymore. Well, Nick Saban's broken that mold. I think he's going to finish his career in Tuscaloosa. And the way he finishes it is going to be fascinating uh, with the way he's adapted and, uh, and navigated the changing landscape of the college football uh, game right now. Well, I never – this is another one you should have thought about on your thing. He's getting ready to get his 300 win. I never dreamed he would get 200 wins out of Alabama. Yeah, Do that's you realize a good – how close he is to breaking Coach Bryant's record at Alabama? Like, wins – Coach Bryant is the number one winnings coach in Alabama – with 232, am I correct? I get the number. Yeah, that's right. Started. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and uh, okay, he's like what 29 or 30 games away from that. Mm-hmm. It's amazing about that. Yeah. It's amazing if he goes to the street in the next three years to his 75. If you win 12 games a season, he got that. Yeah, we got a lot to look forward to. He got a lot to look forward. He can get his 300 career win. As a head coach, I mean, that is just a lot for him to shoot for. People say, oh, well, he's done for it. No, he's not. You look at him, no. No. I mean, since day one, we've been told that he was not going to stay here no five years. Right. Uh, yeah, after he got that third night, I said, well, he's going to go because you know deep down he wants to win a Super Bowl. I don't think he does. I think he enjoys where he's at. Enjoy. And like I made a statement a couple weeks ago. I got on my little rant. I'm like, Nick Saban is a coach. 
but really, he's a coach of life skills. He wants you to be more than a football player. He's a coach of life. He sets you up, tell you how to set a plan to be successful in college and college football. If you're lucky enough to get to the next level in the NFL, he sets you up, and he sets you up after. He is giving you the blueprint to be a successful person, not just in football and not for, you know, to your 20 and 30, your whole life. He's a life coach. I look at him more of a life coach now than I do as football. Is he getting up there? He mature and how he talk? He talked like a father figure, and a lot of these players need guidance, and he gives it to them. Sometimes it's tough love, and they don't like it, and they leave. Like, you know, that's the way the world is. Yeah, it really is, Tommy. Uh, no question about it. And I think Alabama fans, you know, my father was very blessed uh, in his youth. Um, he graduated high school in 1963 as Coach Bryant really got it rolling. And a lot of his collegiate days and then his young days as an adult was following Coach Bryant. And you just mentioned Coach and, and, the, and, the, and the 232 wins. And and the, and he won six national championships at Alabama and was able to follow his entire career at the Capstone. And so I've been blessed, uh, you know, that uh, my father's gotten to see it all. He's gotten to see Coach Bryant's tenure and uh, Nick Saban's. I, you know, I was born in 75, so I was very young. My first memories of Alabama football are 1985 and Van Tiffin and the, and the, and the kick and the uh, Iron Bowl. So uh, I, I, but I've been blessed that, that Nick Saban came along and I've been able to experience a ride uh, like Coach Bryant and maybe even to the next level, especially with all the parity in the sport. I've just been uh, tremendously thankful to be able to cover it and become a member of the media and be able to be around Coach a little bit. Uh, ask coach questions, uh, follow their, his teams. It's just the Alabama nation has been very, very lucky. And I think most understand that, that just enjoy the ride, enjoy the fact that he's built like he is and he's a grinder. And as you said, Tommy, he might be, you know, in his early seventies, but he doesn't look like it. He doesn't act like it. And he's just, they all, that, 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 uh, you know, they always say built by Bama. Well, they're all, they, I also say built different and Nick Saban's built differently. He's wired differently and uh, just enjoy the ride and, and watch him continue to climb the ladder and become the greatest coach of all time. I agree with 100%. Like you said, being an Alabama fan, I'll make a quick point. I know you got all the callers. Uh, like you talk about your father. My father grew up in the 20s. He saw the beginning of it. He saw Wallace Wade, Frank Thomas. He knew Frank Thomas. Uh, he knew the, and he got to see Stalin's win. He got to see three coaches. Alabama, people don't want to talk about this because they can't stand our tradition. We have had three super, super coaches in the history of Alabama football. Wallace Wade won three national championships. Coach Bryant won six. Nick Saban won six to Alabama. And Frank Thomas won two. And Gene Stalin won one. There's a lot of schools who can't say that they have five coaches that have won national championship in a sport. Right. Alabama can't. I know Notre Dame can and probably USC, but I mean, really, no, there's no other school. And uh, it's something to be proud of. That's why I never was hoping that the pro sport would never come to Alabama because Alabama football is such an amazing thing to be a part of. It really is. And and you look at USC, they haven't done much in 20 years uh, since the days of Pete Carroll. And then Notre Dame – I'm no Notre Dame fan, so I keep counting it down. 
they haven't won since 88. It's, we're closing in on 40 years. Alabama has left Notre Dame in the dust as far as tradition goes. They are tradi- they have tradition, but it doesn't match up with Alabama's, and really neither does USC's anymore. And we can thank Nick Saban for that. For I, you know, USC had a great run under Pete Carroll, but Alabama took it to the next level. And Nick Saban, being in the best conference, uh, he's revolutionized the sport, and we just have to be thankful for it. But Tommy, I appreciate your phone call. Uh, you have a great uh, New Year's. I'm ha- happy New Year to you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for calling. We're going to go on a break. When we come back. We're going to go to Jay from Athens. When we come back here on the game, powered by Tuscaloosa Toyota, TuscaloosaToyota.com. Tuscaloosa traffic now from the Townsend Nissan Traffic Center. So as we make our way Skyland Boulevard near McFarland Boulevard, watch out for an accident right there at Andrews Street. Also, making our way 2059 going eastbound after Foster's. Well, look out. We have long-term road construction right there at Holly Springs Lane. I'll keep you up to date with the latest. With your Tuscaloosa traffic now, I'm Jones. Don't be- Alabama Crimson Tide lives right here. Halfway home. Time flies when you're having fun. We're almost through three hours here on the game on Tus- on uh, tie 100.9 here in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And again, we're taking your calls 205-342-9904. I'm Drew Armand in for Ryan Fowler. We're praying for you, Ryan. Get better, sir. Uh, and he will be back in the saddle soon uh, here on tie 109 on the game, the longest-running radio program in the city of Champions in Tuscaloosa. One of my good friends, Jay from Athens, has been waiting patiently. And uh, we're going to uh, now talk with him, talk some Alabama football here live on the game. Jay, how you doing, man? Happy New Year. Hey, Happy New Year, Drew. Uh, get well soon, Ryan. We miss you, buddy. And and, uh, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Uh, Drew, with the departures of uh, uh, Terry and Arnold and, and um, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and um, Kool-Aid, how do you see the secondary looking going into spring and plus in the, in the next fall? Well, I, I still think they're in solid shape. I think, you know, I, I know everybody was kind of holding out, and there had been reports that Terrion had told people he may very well be coming back. But as he played the rest of the season out, and he played at such a high level, um, if you're a first-round draft pick, Jay, and, and pretty much all of the in mock drafts, which I hate mock drafts, but, I mean, still, you have, that is something, a, a point you have to look at. Kool-Aid McKinstry and Terrion are both considered first-round players. Um, so, yeah. and I know I know Terrion is only a redshirt sophomore, but he was a five-star talent. He waited his turn, and he developed quite a bit under uh, the tutelage of uh, T-Rob, Traverius Robinson, the secondary coach this year. You can't blame a guy for going pro when he's a first-round pick. I think you should uh, because, again, yeah. you start your clock. Uh, you get a chance to start working on your second contract. And again, you build on the tradition that Nick Saban, and it helps attract other players. I thought Kool-Aid yeah. McKinstry had a really solid three-year career. I thought he got better every year. Uh, I think he, I, I really liked the way he led this year. I thought he, his mind and his, and his, and, and just the way he handled himself was as a leader and a captain. 
I, I, I totally wish him all the luck in the world. I think he was a, he, he was a guy that had a lot of hype coming out of high school, but he lived yeah. up to it. I know he struggled as a punt returner this year, but it, one thing I'll, I'll give him credit for too, it never affected his play on defense. And That's I true. think he's going to be a really good player. Uh, same way with Terion. Terion's got some versatility. He can play, uh, you know, some nickel. Uh, he can even eventually be a safety like a Kareem Jackson, who's had just such a long career uh, for, after playing at the University of Alabama and being part of Nick Saban's first signing class as we are just past the anniversary yesterday of his introductory press conference where he just showed up in Tuscaloosa and wrecked college football uh, and made a lot of people miserable that we've enjoyed uh, for these last 17 years. But again, I think the secondary, when you look at it, Trey Amos has been a quality, uh, you know, transfer portal addition from the University of Louisiana. Uh, he had some very bright moments, especially against Georgia. I think he can step into one of those corner spots. They've already gotten Damani Jackson from USC, who they recruited out of high school, who was a five-star talent. He needed to get away from Lincoln Sharman so he could learn how to tackle and play defense. But I think he's very physically talented. Uh, and I think Traverius Robinson can do a lot to mold him. Uh, this is a draft year for him. So he's another guy to compete at that cornerback spot. Don't forget Des Ricks, who's a, a guy that maybe reclassified too. So he's a younger guy uh, who has had a year to develop at corner, who's a five-star talent from IMG Academy. He's another one to watch at that corner spot. Uh, and so, and I, I just think, you know, I mean, Alabama may not be done in the portal. Uh, in, in, uh, in, yeah. And don't forget Antonio Kite, too. Antonio yeah. is an outstanding young player who's been patient, who's got some length. So I think they have some talent at corner. And then when you look at the safety spots, they've got the freakazoid, Caleb Downs, who, if, there's, if, there, if it's possible, he even exceeded the hype that he came out with yeah. in high school. Yeah. And, and was the Sean Alexander National Freshman of the Year, had an outstanding uh, Rose Bowl. Uh, and I think with the Alabama's found their punt returner for the next two years. Uh, he's, he just is electric with the ball in his hands. So he's a great player. And then a guy that was seemed to be coming on, but he got hurt, uh, Jay, and that's Devontae Smith. No, it's not related yeah. to Devontae, the Heisman Trophy winner, but he's from Cincinnati, Ohio. He's been another guy that's been very patient. Uh, I know we saw Christian Story go into the portal, but Devontae Smith was honestly about to pass him, I think, on the depth chart and got injured. So you've got Devontae Smith back, and then you've got uh, Jake Pope, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, and, and others that are back there in the, in the, uh, at the in the safety room that have been kind of uh, working and, and developing. I think they have some young guys at those, uh, at those, uh, you know, safety spots that have been kind of waiting their turn too. Now they did go and get Jalen key last year. And so I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that they could still try to go to a, and find an experienced safety to come in and work and allow guys like Pope to continue to develop. But Pope showed an ability to hit uh, or and when he got uh, reps as a backup. So we'll see. But certainly, uh, I think some of these young guys, that's what I'm going to watch in the spring to see how some of these young guys in the secondary develop. Because I think when you look at it, I think they have some outstanding young talent uh, coming back in the secondary for Alabama. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I'm going to game Saturday. So how you see the SEC – opener with Vanderbilt going? Well, that's a great question. I think it's a very winnable game for Alabama. It's a dangerous game. You you have to – you never assume anything. This Alabama team has got to keep its nose to the grindstone and keep making defensive improvements and, and keep, uh, you know, uh, and rebound the basketball. Uh, but the way they shoot it and the way they are, they're, they're so uh, good offensively and have so many weapons – 
I think they could be a big problem uh, for Vanderbilt. And if they continue to rebound and defend a little bit better, uh, like they did against Liberty, I think it's a very winnable game. And as you know, being a longtime Alabama fan like myself, you and I both are in the same boat, Jay. Uh, For many, many years, Memorial Gym was a house of horrors for Alabama. It didn't matter how good Alabama was. Uh, Vandy was always pretty good, and they seemed to have Alabama's number. And for many years, 1990, I think, was the last time Alabama had won there. Well, luckily, they seem to have solved that riddle, um, and they've had success, especially under Nate Oates. And road wins are tough to come by. And I think if Alabama plays well, if they shoot it, and they're very capable of doing it, I think this is a very winnable game for Alabama. You can't assume anything, but this is not as skilled, I don't think, as a Vanderbilt team or as big. They don't have that big post presence in there that's given Alabama some problems. So I think it's a good matchup for the Crimson Tide. And if they can take care of the basketball and uh, and win the rebounding battle and defend at a pretty good level, I think offensively things will take care of themselves, and I think Alabama can get a win. I really like the way Sam Walters is developing. Uh, Latrell Wrightsell seems to be getting more yeah. confidence. Same way with Aaron Estrada, and Estrada has to take care of the ball. I just I like this matchup for Alabama right now. Well, Drew, appreciate you taking my call. Once again, Ryan, get better, son, soon, and we'll, we'll talk to you soon. And, Drew, we'll talk to you later, buddy. Have a good one. Yeah, and I want to say, too, Jay kind of asked me about the secondary, and I should have brought this up, but we already, and we kind of talked about it earlier in the show, Malachi Moore returning is huge. Um, I had thought because of him staying healthy for the first time and really for the – he did get a little nicked up this year, but this was his healthiest season since his freshman year of 2020 in that national championship season. And he finished that year injured. But for the most part, that year he was a magnet for the ball. He was a freshman All-American. He returned to that form this year in many ways. And so I thought he might just move on to the NFL. But he's. it sounds like he's going to come back for his fifth season He's so experienced, man. He's like a Swiss Army knife. He was like that at Hewitt Trustville. Uh, he can play any spot. He can play that star spot. He can play safety. Uh, you could put him back there with Caleb Downs and have two really experienced, really good players uh, back there. Now, if Devontae Smith asserts himself, you can move him to star full time, uh, and he can definitely play that spot. So that's going to be really interesting, especially with Earl Little moving on. And Earl Little moving on and visiting Florida State may be because Malachi Moore is returning. That may have, uh, you know, uh, decided that and kind of made that decision for Earl. I know Coach Saban wanted her to talk to Earl Little and potentially talk him into staying. It looks like Earl Little will move on. But, again, I just think it's very interesting uh, that Malachi Moore came back. And so that's a big piece. So you've got Malachi Moore. You've got Caleb Downs. Uh, you've got Trey Amos. Uh, they're good players. And then you've got, as I said, Damani Jackson, uh, you know, Antonio Kite, uh, you know, Des Ricks, you've got some young players back there and a lot of potential to have another good secondary for the University of Alabama. And don't forget another young safety in Bray Hubbard, who played a little bit this year. I think he still ended up getting a red shirt, uh, you know, out of Gulfport, Mississippi. But he's a great athlete. I got it was a great high school quarterback, uh, kind of along the Tommy Wilcox line. Uh, and Tommy's a good friend of mine. I know he's a, 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 a big member of the community in Tuscaloosa. Hopefully he's listening today. But Bray Hubbard is a guy, another one, uh, you know, that uh, another safety to watch for the University of Alabama in his development. But I know we need to take a break. When we come back, still going to take your calls. 205-342-9904. This is The Game in Tuscaloosa, powered by Tuscaloosa Toyota, TuscaloosaToyota.com. Tuscaloosa traffic now from the Townsend Nissan Traffic Center. 
So watch out for that earlier crash, Skyland Boulevard near McFarland Boulevard, right there at Andrews Street. Both directions are affected, northbound and southbound. Also, as we move Highway 69 near Mimosa Park Road, look out for long-term road construction in that area. And 82 eastbound at Roberts Road, we have road work in that area as well. With your Tuscaloosa traffic now, I'm Jones. Go inside the Alabama Crimson Tide with the Gary Harris Show. Hey, everybody, it's Gary Harris. Coming up Friday morning on the TGIF edition of the Gary Harris Show, we're going to be jam-packed. Adam Amin from Fox Sports, the Auburn Report with Brett Pritchard, all that great weekend music, your phone calls, and more. That's the Gary Harris Show, Friday morning at 9. Catch the Gary Harris Show Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and Tide100.9.com. I'm embarrassed to see. Eatery right there on University Boulevard, 205 University Boulevard. Call ahead orders, 205-758-2455. We all always like to say close enough that you can smell the championships. It used to be the fringe of the campus of the University of Alabama. Now the campus has built around them. When you're talking about a great sandwich like the Nukes Q sandwich or maybe a great salad, that macaroni and cheese is outstanding. The bowl of soup, a cup of soup, as we uh, lower temps here in West Alabama, you can parlay those and you can pick a pair. Maybe it's a California-style pizza. Maybe it's the great chicken salad, the pimento cheese. Catering from a small office party to a larger corporate event nukes eatery 205 university boulevard close enough that you can smell the championships go see joel bromfield and all the friendly folks at nukes on university boulevard tide 100.9 tuscaloosa weather a sunny sky this afternoon the high today 51 clear tonight cold again the low at 29 tomorrow increasingly cloudy rain moves in tomorrow night the high 54 saturday rain ending early in the day the high 55 i'm james Spann on the abc 3340 Winter Center on Tide 100.9. It's 49 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Light up those phone lines on the game with Ryan Fowler. 205-342-9904. You're inside the game on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. game here on this Thursday in Tuscaloosa, powered by Tuscaloosa Toyota, TuscaloosaToyota.com, Tide 109. I'm Drew Arm and in for Ryan Fowler. Man, what a great three hours it's been. Uh, you know, great conversation. We appreciate all the phone calls. Thanks to Jay from Athens, known him for a long, for a long time. I know he's a longtime listener of my show and, of course, of this show here in Tuscaloosa, and we appreciate his support. Uh, best callers in the country. Uh, appreciate Tommy from Romulus earlier joining us as well. Uh, you know, you can join us. We've got about five, six minutes remaining. It's 205-342-9904. If you want to talk some Alabama Crimson Tide football, uh, we're going to have uh, we're going to replay a conversation to kick off hour number four. Josh from Football Nerds, Ryan had him on earlier in the week, and we're going to uh, have that conversation replayed for you as we hit the five o'clock hour. But it's been a joy for me to be here with you uh, for these three hours and uh, certainly uh, to get back in the saddle and talk to uh, the Crimson Tide Nation, get the feel for everything after the disappointing Rose Bowl loss, but also understand what a special team this was uh, and, and what Nick Saban has done is, uh, you know, uh, just really unprecedented. 
you know, with his level of consistency, able to bring Jalen Miller along. I still think Tommy Reese, I know he's re- received some criticism for the play calling in the uh, game against Michigan, but a lot of that you have to credit the Wolverines and their great defense. Uh, I think Rees did a great job helping Milrow get better. Uh, you know, and I, now I commend Ty Simpson for coming back to compete. I thought he showed a lot of progress as a quarterback the times he got to play down the stretch and did a really nice job and and started maturing himself. And then you have two outstanding young talents uh, in Dylan Lonergan, who will be a redshirt freshman from Brookwood High School uh, in Georgia. And then, of course, Julian Sand from Carlsbad, California, uh, as you heard Rodney Orsay, uh, and I appreciate Rodney for joining us as well. Uh, you know, he may be the number one uh, uh, quarterback and number one player in the 2024 uh, class. I mean, he's he's an outstanding talent. Now we'll get to see him develop. It's probably the most talented quarterback room in college football going in uh, to that 2024 season. Certainly it's going to be disappointing not to see Alabama playing on Monday night. But I think the Tides want to be back, especially in a 12-team playoff. Uh, you know, if you expand things like that, Nick Saban has done a remarkable job getting into the BCS uh, multiple times. Uh, and now the four-team college football playoff with so much consistency, more consistency than anyone. And now it expands. Now you might say it's harder to navigate. We'll see. You're, you're going to get home playoff games on your campuses. How exciting is that going to be? Uh, and how exciting is it for the, the Crimson Tide Nation to have the GOAT Nick Saban taking them into this era of college football? Because guess what, folks? He ain't retiring. He's still here to kick ass. And so I think everybody needs to enjoy that. Uh, and again, like I say, just enjoy this ride that we're on, which is the best program in the country. And historically, and I, I appreciate Tommy from Romulus bringing up his father and bringing up the 1920s. That's the thing about Alabama football. It is the most historically significant program in college football history because of its lasting legacy, starting in the 1920s and now uh, going so strong, uh, you know, throughout uh, the, the 2000s. I mean, it is it's just this run Nick Saban has been on has established Alabama bar none as the greatest program in the country and the greatest program historically. Who cares about Notre Dame anymore? Uh, you know, I, I know. Uh, the late, great Bino Cook would disagree with me looking down on us, but I'm sorry. Notre Dame does not compare to Alabama. Does it? I know they may have more Heisman Trophy winners, but now you can't. They used, that used to be used against Alabama. You can't even do that anymore uh, now that they've got, you know, four Heisman Trophy winners under Nick Saban. So they've got uh, they've got the Heisman Trophy winners. He's got more first-round draft picks than losses. He's got six national titles uh, to to uh, – uh, to uh, tie the late, great uh, Paul William Bryant, Coach Bear Bryant. I mean, it's it's amazing, and, and he's not done. And I think Alabama is going to definitely still be a, a force to be reckoned with. Uh, certainly the, the, uh, the transfer portal is a concern, but I think Nick Saban is navigating that. And I think there's been as much good news as, you know, uh, as news that's made people uncomfortable uh, in this aftermath of the Rose Bowl. You had to expect some attrition, but I think so far it's very manageable. And now the fascinating thing is how does Nick Saban attack it in the transfer portal uh, in the days going forward? Uh, and even in the second window when it opens after spring practice and so much to be excited for for spring practice to see the uh, the continued maturation of Jalen Milrow, to see the progress of Ty Simpson, to see those two young quarterbacks and to see this defense. What is this coaching staff going to look like? 
And what could this defense look like as well? Because I don't think they're through adding to the roster. And, of course, guys leaving because you can only uh, – the, the COVID year, I think there's one more year with these COVID uh, players with these extra years. And then you've got to get back down to the nitty-gritty and 85 scholarships. And so the, it's a numbers game, but it's one that Nick Saban's always been able to master. And it's what I always say, guys, chess, not checkers. And it's Nick Saban always seems to be ahead of everyone now. Did we did Alabama get out coached on Monday? Yeah, it happens. But Nick Saban always comes back strong. It's what we you know. I'm going to end it with what we heard coming into the show with what Noah uh, and I congrat and I appreciate Noah and, and Noah Haynes what he's done today is producing this show. Nick Saban said you don't want to waste a failure and you don't. And I think Alabama learned a lot about themselves. They've reestablished themselves. I think it's the best program in the SEC. Uh, they certainly are five and one against Kirby Smart and eight and one the last night against Georgia. And I think they can continue that role. And Georgia's coming to Tuscaloosa. What a great schedule to look forward to in 2024. And could we be in, in uh, Madison, Wisconsin, looking at Nick Saban trying to win his 300th game? That's something to be very, very excited about. And very, very excited, as Jay put it, uh, for Nate Oates in his first SEC basketball game, conference game coming up on Saturday as the Tide look to defend their SEC regular season title and tournament title. I had to get some basketball talk in there too, but we appreciate everyone for joining us today on Tide 109. As we said, we're going to replay a conversation with Josh and college football nerds. Uh, Noah's going to have that teed up for us to kick off the next hour at five o'clock, but we really appreciate everybody. We appreciate Tuscaloosa Toyota, TuscaloosaToyota.com. Wouldn't be here without being powered by them. And I look forward to being with you again soon. But I thank Ryan Fowler for allowing me to be with the Tide Nation today on Tide 109. I thank Noah. Everybody have a great rest of your evening and roll Tide. Tuscaloosa traffic now from the Townsend Nissan Traffic Center. So watch out for that earlier crash, Skyland Boulevard near McFarland Boulevard, right there at Andrews Street. Both directions are affected, northbound and southbound. Also, as we move Highway 69 near Mimosa Park Road, look out for long-term road construction in that area. And 82 eastbound at Roberts Road, we have road work in that area as well. With your Tuscaloosa traffic now, I'm Jones. Hey, Buckner. 60 years of serving Tuscaloosa and West Alabama. When you talk about the friendly staff at Pat's Florist and Gourmet Baskets, 1010 Queen City Avenue, when you look at the fall floral arrangements maybe you're trying to lift someone's spirits a little bit under the weather celebrating a birthday or special occasion it's pat's florist 205-345-5093 anniversary birthday get well love romance make someone smile today pat's florist and gourmet baskets